Welcome, dirty peasants, to Warwood Gazette, the Amphibia Podcast. This is episode 60, and this week we are covering Amphibia Season 2, Episode 9, Little Frog Town and Hopping Mall. I'm your host, Thematicon, and joining me today we have Impact. Yo, what's good, everybody? And Bloss. Hello. So, news this week. Uh, it was Amphibia's third anniversary yesterday, on the on as of June seventeenth, twenty twenty-two. Matt posted uh, a, a a really nice uh, piece of artwork that like recreated that that iconic moment from Anor Beast where Sprig met Anne for the first time and. Had a little Easter egg of like new tiny newt versions of Sasha and Marcy hanging around. Yeah, I saw that. Very, uh, very cute. Yeah, th- three three years. Uh, that is crazy. And uh, I feel old. Yeah, and I also noticed that like uh, Matt also replied because like the tweet blew up. So then. Matt, like, talked about the journal, like, make sure you pre-order that. He loved to do, like, shorts with, uh, with, like, Polly post, uh, post-series finale. And, uh, I don't think a lot of people notice this, but, like, the, uh, the guy that handles the, the shorts department for Disney TV Animation, like, commented on that. It was like, oh... Hey, and then Matt just posted like an like a like a funny gif of like giving like a look like a like a Daffy Duck giving like a mischievous look, and uh, Kyle left it off at that. And I I don't know that just kind of gives me <laughs> hope. I I just went and looked at it now and uh, found the interaction. Yeah, the whole crew has been like. All like they really want to do Polly, <laughs> like his stuff. Like, like even like before we even got like all in the hardest thing. Like, I forget that interview. Uh, it wasn't Gal- an interview. It was, Gal- like, Gallery nucleus. Yeah, like the entire crew was like, "Yo, Polly spinoff, Polly spinoff." Like, <laughs> it was so weird. Like, why? And then we got the hardest thing. It was like, oh, okay, <laughs> that makes. That makes more sense, you know. We got the epilogue, so definitely I would, would totally be. down for that. And like, I definitely would be really fun to see, you know, a character like Polly who uh, didn't really receive, you know, the most development in terms of the main cast to really see her get a lot more fleshed out. Yeah, yeah. I think like because. Oh, I was gonna say like I because like season three gave Polly a little something something. I think that was definitely like Polly's like bigger season out of all the three. Like she definitely was given a lot more in season three. But yeah, I would love like for Polly to get like more of a central focus. I think she's definitely the least explored out of the the three planters. You know what I mean? So like that would be mm-hmm. awesome. Yeah, and and she she was a baby too. So it's like. When you when you think about it, she kind of got the most 
she might have not gotten the most like development, but she got like the most like setup for her future where it's like she physically changed the most. Yeah. She's yeah. the she's the one who brought Frobo and Microangelo into the family where you have this like robot sidekick, you have this cute little animal sidekick who could like grow along with her. Cause you know, Bessie's like the older one in in the family. Yeah. So she has like her own like she basically has her own cast already said, and also like the the, the snurds, the the snail <laughs> Joe Sparrow and Bessie's kids. Like she has her own like she has her own crew, and then also like she's like an engineer with like years like she's like the most qualified person in Amphibia now that she knows like how, she's been through it all and now that she's like kind of, yeah now that she's kind of like a technician because she she like rebuilt Frobo with a box of scraps in a, in a, <laughs> in a middle school <laughs> like <laughs> turned her into this killing machine. Yeah, so that's yeah. Th- that's that was the news this week. I'm sure there's like other stuff on the like, crew members like releasing more like material while they're working on the show, and that that'll be great for Nano's archives. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, I think we'll go. We can start talking about the the first segment of this ep- of this week's episode, uh, Little Frog Town. This was. Uh, oh, yeah. uh, Bloss, you wanted to. Uh, I, I was going to say that, like, in terms of season two, I got to say, this has got to be one of the most iconic episodes in Amphibia. Like, both segments. Yeah, and, uh, and I'll. It... Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like, like starting with <laughs> Little Frog, like, I'll, I'll let you guys give your thoughts uh, about the general thoughts. Then we'll go into, like, bit by bit of the episode. Like, scene by scene. A little. That, that's, like, the normal structure. I, I know... Oh, Bloss, I forgot. You're, this is your first time on the podcast. So, normally, for new additions or fresh blood, you get to give yourself... You get to give your, I guess, general thoughts on Amphibia as a whole and how you actually discovered the show. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, um, general thought. Well, I first discovered Amphibia back in 2018, I'm pretty sure. The, the initial announcement, uh, right? When they greened yeah, the, that and the Dollhouse alongside each other, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, it was fresh off. Um, I was still sort of, you know watching star versus because that that was still happening and i saw these two shoes shows get greenlit and and then as time moved on we got some material for amphibia and it definitely um definitely stuck out to me because you know an isekai (laughs) in uh, a disney isekai show was uh i'm gonna say hasn't been done but like it definitely seemed cool to see in this current era and you know shows like gravity falls it seems like it was nice to see potential serialized shows um more of them into disney but my general thoughts i mean i'm as diehard of a fan as 
as you get. Uh, sometimes I studied this show more than I studied at school, <laughs> but uh, um, it's it's definitely one of the shows that's stuck out to me uh, throughout my entire life. Well, not my entire life, but in this part of my life, and it holds a really dear place in my heart, and uh, it, it's helped me through so much, and it's just, man, it's just such a amazing show to have watched and to have experienced, and uh, it was really hard, really tough to let it go, but it was it was just such an honor to you know be a part of the whole um, the whole experience from start to finish, and it's crazy that now it's been three years, and you know been about four years since I first discovered the show, and like it's it's so crazy to look back on, and definitely gonna be very fond memories in my life. Thank you, Bloss. Yeah, you kind of summed up summed up like my experience on the, on the show as well. Like Nick and I both like we we knew about the show when it first got greenlit, and I, I kind of got lucky where I, I finished I finished school during the season one hiatus, so like I didn't need to like divide my attention between studies and uh, <laughs> and amphibia, which is good because I, I I wouldn't have been able to like focus i guess no nah, i yeah. i wouldn't be able to focus on amphibia that's the that's the it's <laughs> 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 the real tough one yeah but uh yeah i mean yeah uh you know amphibia is one of those shows that just it's just it's just gonna stick with a lot of people you know uh i'm sure you guys can relate but you know i've met so many cool people in these years and you know they're definitely longtime friends now and that's just that's something special you don't really get to experience with you know a cartoon show of all things yeah definitely and uh yeah, yeah that that's that's pretty much my general thoughts yeah thank you boss and uh I guess we'll just we'll just we'll, we'll go into Little Frog Town, which was written by Adam Colas, storyboards by Drew Applegate and Nat Mar, Mar and directed by Joe Johnson. So this episode was it was the the noir mystery episode with Hop Pop, and you know that was all. I guess starting with general thoughts, like I had a lot of fun with this episode. I thought. I, I liked. It was a. I, I liked how the I liked how the episode. Uh, you know, changed the aspect ratio and. <laughs> yeah, I'm not gonna get to it like too, into the episode, but when once we get to each scene, yeah, we'll 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 cover the iconic moments. But I, I guess, impact. What are your. What are your general thoughts, on this episode? Oh, I I love Little Frog Town. Favorite hop hop episode, full stop. <laughs> like <laughs> I I love this episode. I love the noir aspect to it. It really gives this episode its own identity. I love the mystery aspect to it too. I'll get into more detail why I like that. But yeah, this episode's a banger. <laughs> um, I rewatched this episode a lot. I rewatched the Utopia arc a lot because it's like one of my favorite parts of the show. But this episode specifically, like. Yeah, this is 
this is my favorite hop hop episode in the whole show and i'll I'll be going to detail why but this episode slaps so it's really good thank you back like damn like best hop hop episode that's a that's a bold statement compared to all the other hop hop episodes we got but you know i'm not gonna diverge on the topic just yet but (laughs) i'm sure you i'm sure you'll you'll back up your your you'll you'll back up that claim but uh, i guess for now uh to be fair bloss what are your to be fair there are to be fair there are a lot of good hop hop episodes but yeah i i love this this segment so much uh it was just it was just a good laugh to have uh one of the things i feel like I don't really think is underappreciated, but I really love the little side plot with Anne, Sprig, and Polly going to the arcade and the whole cutting the line bit was one of my favorite parts of the show. You know, the whole thing about <laughs> that was <laughs> what? <laughs> Did you like hold up your mic right against like the? <laughs> nah, I just put a voice changer on. <laughs> but yeah, the, the whole want to find out part definitely one of the most iconic amphibia moments in my opinion. But hop hop in general, this whole episode, it just felt so. I don't know how to say it. it. It felt so in place for Amphibia to do this kind of noir episode with Hot Pop. It, and, you know, the whole, have you killed a man, Hot Pop? In, seeing him actually kill someone was uh, was quite the spectacle. But yeah, uh, overall, I, I love this episode. Definitely one of, the, one of, my, one of my top top, uh, top ten in terms of season two. Oh, thank you, boss. And uh Yeah, I like I mean, how we started. Your thoughts. Oh, I already I already gave my thoughts. I uh Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, like I yeah, I really like this episode and Yeah, I think I covered everything and you guys covered some stuff too and Yeah, just like starting off with the beginning scene of this episode, uh I like how all the planners are watching this movie and Hop Hop's not even paying attention to the road and <laughs> like once the I didn't notice this on my first watch. Like when I was rewatching this episode, like once they get out, like once they get out of traffic, like near the end, like one guy kind of just like yells at them. I I didn't notice. Like I I probably wasn't like I pro- maybe I just didn't remember that that joke, but it was funny. <laughs> but. Yeah. Um. Oh. Uh- I'm probably skipping a little bit, but the ending. Uh, Amphibia really gets like the ending of segments down really good because they're usually these these chaotic or funny moments. But the part where Hot Pop is stuck narrating himself and he's like he's slowly losing his mind, and you know, Anne and uh, Sprig and Polly are just kind of going crazy. They're not going crazy, but they're worried. Yeah, we'll we'll cover that. Like when we when we talk about the episode, we'll we'll go like scene by scene, so we don't like jump too much into the end and 
But yeah, so that was that was like all that. Yeah, the monologue stuff. We'll we'll, we'll talk about that. <laughs> but uh, I like how when we first see the arcade, um, like all, all the all the kids are like showering hop hop with praise. Like I think I think Polly said something like, "You're the best like pop to ever hop," and, and then and then we get like yeah. the, the sal the sal reveal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, the arcade. Did it really look like an arcade to anyone? It looked like, it looked a, a, movie like a movie theater. theater. Yeah. Yeah. Usually, movie theaters got at least where I'm at. Movie theaters usually have arcades in them, so like, that's the closest I'm gonna get. Usually, like, well, ah, eh, like I don't know. Arcades are kind of like. They're a thing, but like, not really a thing. You know what I mean? I'm not the like, yeah. yeah they don't really have like, their own centralized area of where you can find them. You can't really go to a arcade. They're kind of like in a subsection of some place. Yeah, like a theme park or like a movie theater or something. Usually, like movie theaters that are like pretty small. So like, yeah, yeah, which is weird. I don't even know like. What a utopian! We never go in there, so it's like <laughs> for very funny reasons. Like we never know, like what an Amphibia arcade really is like. You know what I mean? Because when I assume arcade, the first thing I think of is like video games, right? But, like obviously that can't be the case because yeah. <laughs> so yeah, like. You know, when in doubt, just assume everything's bugs. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, like I'm, I, I know they used to have like arcade stores and like not stores, but like they used to have like arcades, dedicated arcade spaces, like back in, I guess, the eighties and nineties and. That's yeah. kind. Of, that's kind of where the the crew is pulling their inspiration from. Since that's where they. That's yeah. true. That's true. <laughs> that's where they grew up. That's the 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 time the era they grew up in. But uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, even when it's even when the whole episode doesn't go to noir, it's definitely the uh, definitely different kind of era kind of feeling it doesn't feel modern like for the younger viewers yeah and definitely has this consistent theme of you know being old yeah and uh making making it sound like the crew is like really old (laughs) (laughs) well i would say old more like no, I tried to think of antique, but that's even worse. <laughs> no, it's, I, it's kind of weird because, like, <laughs> I, when I checked online, it's like Matt's only like a decade older than me. <laughs> it's not, it's not that <laughs> huge of an age gap. Yeah, but uh, I mean, even like a lot of the crew is like pretty, pretty young. decently young. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> but uh, yeah, we we get pretty. to. Oh, go ahead, Bloss. 
I, I was just gonna say, but even then, I mean, most of the crew definitely grew up sort of like not really around that area, but like kind of probably watched some of it when they were growing up with their parents. Oh yeah. Totally. Yeah, so the the planners like pull up to Sal's sandwich shop and I love I love this this line where Hop just talks about back when the old ways were just the ways. I don't know why this that cracks me up, but uh we also get that whole like dream sequence of him yeah with the sandwich the sauce part just it is a reminds me of the uh the scene from night drivers i can't remember not night drivers but uh uh the one before the beginning of the end i can't believe i'm not remembering it uh the three armies oh wait no no, not the three. Sorry, not the three armies. Before the three armies. Newts and tights. Newts and tights? Or fight or flight? Fight or oh, flight. Fight or flight. Yeah. 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 It reminds me of the whole dream sequence of uh, Hot Pop and the, the, the cat. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. So it's kind of crazy to see that Hot Pop did not get... You got a few dream sequences, to be honest. Like there's the one at uh at uh when he's dreaming of Sprig being rich. I'm forgetting episode. Fiddle, fiddle, me, fiddle me this. He fiddle me this. Yep. When they're he's dreaming about the whole family being rich. Uh, most of them are all like they're all they always nail it with the dream sequences. Even though it's a weird thing to say, but it's a it's definitely always a funny uh, bit. Yeah, definitely, and uh, yeah, the the music too. Yeah, but... it, it, the music too in this dream sequence, like it has like that weird, like that soothing, like sax kind of thing. Like, yeah, <laughs> it just, <laughs> I just love like the reaction, like afterward, like Hop Pop's like, oh, what, and like, <laughs> and it's like. And it's like, yo, you liking this sauce a little too much. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. Like <laughs> he, he gets yeah, he gets super into the sauce. And the face he makes at the end of it. He goes, Oh lordy. This big open mouth. Yeah, all the expressions here are like top notch. Like even when uh <laughs> Like when he like goes to like towards the front door with the kids, and then like, <laughs> you know when the, the kids get yeah. like the kids like are trying to be supported, even though they obviously want to go to the arcade, and then Hop Hop like eventually lets them, and just like when they start like <laughs> celebrating, like I post a screenshot there too. It's <laughs> just flattens himself. And then the line where it's it is, like, oh, go ahead, Impact. Oh, I was just going to say, it, it is nice, though, to kind of give Hop Hop sign kind of his solo time. I feel like, I'm trying to remember if I'm right about this, like, I feel like I am. Like, we don't really get a lot of, like, episodes where a planter is just, like, not with 
any part of the family, like at all, like like period. It's just by themselves. Like we'll get Anne, of course, like she'll do her thing, but like in terms of like the planters themselves, if Polly has an episode, she'll usually accompany it with somebody. You know what I mean? Corvus Pass with Sprig, Girl Time with Anne. You know what I mean? But like it's nice to give Hop Hop kind of like his own time in the spotlight without any like not I was gonna say annoyances, that's not <laughs> the right way to put it. But like well anyone in a way, you know, it's just because they do something similar with Spider Sprig as well, where Sprig gets his time to shine too. So like he doesn't have to share the spotlight with any of the other family. So it's just it's nice, you know. Yeah, I think uh each three of the planters kinda had that that moment uh had their episode this season. It was a little frog town of hop hop. It was the planters check in with Sprig and then it was um truck stop uh Polly you know yeah. Polly. Yeah, because well Truck Stop Polly's interesting because it still relates directly to like Polly's like relationship with the family, you know what I mean? But this one is like directly like this is pop hot pops story. Like yeah. the, the the kids they get to go play around, but like <laughs> Hot Pop's doing his thing, you know? It's, it's hot pop time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I love that line. Like, I, I love how they end the scene of the kids leaving, like, like getting separated from the plot, where he mentions, like, tradition being left in the dust just as, like, they leave him in the dust. I just, I just like those, like, minor, like, cherry on top gags. Yeah. Yeah, I love the... The like the video gamey sounds when they run off too, like that was great. Yeah, and uh... um, like he he goes in, he sees the place is like is trashed, and he starts like. You know, it, it's it's hop hop. He's a little bit paranoid. He starts freaking out, and I mean, to be fair, the place does look tra- like like looks like it got trashed, and like for some reason, and uh, yeah, it may look like he got robbed. Like. Yeah, <laughs> he he enters the 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 sandwich. He enters Sal's. He makes this. Absolutely hilarious face on first impression, seeing the whole place trashed. Oh right, like and the close up it has like the close up with like the hatcheting around the, the face. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, amphibian, it's close ups. There were a lot of this is episode in general. There's so many like I look back at the show and the the faces from these episodes are so recognizable to me. Yeah, I'm looking at the screenshot you posted. And... <laughs> and notice how, like, of course it's the the fedora is what, like, triggers the, uh, the episode to go into, like, this noir uh, style film where 
<laughs> I, as I, soon I, as he puts it on. Yeah. <laughs> so, it it kind of like the lights flicker first, but as soon as he puts it on, the whole it just starts from there. It's just to me, it was it was. I kind of felt like there was setup, like you know, there was the setup at the start, but I wasn't really expecting much to come from it on first watch. But <laughs> to see it just go to noir all of a sudden, uh, I definitely it was definitely a not really a shocker, but a really hilarious moment for me because it just was so unexpected to me yeah and like because i feel like like amphibia likes to start off like i think mainly season two specifically like it likes to start off with Anne like watching some something crazy on her phone and then like the episode will relate to it somehow but it's like it i don't like it it directly pair like parodies it in this episode which is just nice it's not like it's just like a theme that was established in the beginning well okay it is but like near the end but like they more of directly parody what the show was doing that they saw so yeah right like i think it happened with uh in in swamp and sensibility the the wally episode like Anne was watching something uh Sprig gets schooled and was watching something real, like parodying that the like the a parody of what the episode was doing and same thing here. Yeah, I, I'm looking at this. I'm looking at the scene where it, first the aspect ratio changes, then the lights flicker to change the to black and white, and then Hopa puts on the fedora, and that's like the. <laughs> That's on the monologue. Actually, no, the monologue starts first, too. Uh, it kind of just all starts in yeah, this all one, just like, one continuous sequence. And, man, like, Bill Bill Farmer is, like... Like, we'll, we'll talk I, about you, his, his performance later. Just, like, fantastic. Like You could tell you really yeah. enjoyed doing this one. <laughs> Yeah, it's pretty much him carrying this episode with like him doing most of the. Because usually, much... usually, yeah, like, it's pretty much just him. Yeah, we don't get the narration. Like th- these episodes don't have narration, so like this time, like Hop Up has to do it all for us. And... I mean, technically, it's not necessary. It's just like Hop Up, like giving exposition, but. You can't think, you, like, you can't complain about exposition in this episode because the point is, is that yeah. that's what's like supposed to, that's what he's supposed to do. Yeah, and like what's great about like Hop Pop's narration, it's kind of like a character in and of itself. <laughs> like it talks directly, like like Hop Pop will be doing something, and the narrator will go like <laughs> yeah, the narrator sure has like different. Yeah, the narrator right. has like a different opinion. Yeah, like that was hilarious. Like, I love that they just made the narrator like its own character, but it's also still like hot pop at the same time. Like, it's it's great. It's a fun like dynamic of not only like obviously it's it's parroting those noir films with giving exposition, but it's very clever in how they do it. It adds a lot of like great humor, and we'll get to that like when we keep going but yeah it's a it's a nice aspect too yeah and, uh 
you know, Hop-Hop starts looking around. Talks about how, like, everyone wanted Sal's sauce, but he wouldn't give it up. Like, the re the recipe. Then eventually he finds, like, that note in the safe about, like, a gala happening that night. And, you know, like, that, that get the sauce note. and He starts <laughs> licking the sauce that's expired <laughs> yeah, does he say like does he ask if it's blood first i think yeah he goes, he goes blood and then he licks it and he's like no sauce <laughs> imagine it was he's still looking like fog, fog blood hop hop just normal yeah like hop hop just normally licks blood like <laughs> it's like <laughs> anyway but yeah yeah so he it cuts back to the arcade, and the kids are waiting in line, and... The color's back. Yeah, the color's back, and that that little shit gets in front of them. <laughs> like, cuts them, <laughs> cuts them in line, and... Looking you know, at it, his design, you can tell he was just designed to just annoy the viewers. Yeah, he was designed to be punched. <laughs> like... <laughs> you can't look at him. And then you know, Polly and Polly and Spurg are just like indifferent. Like Polly says that they're <laughs> that he's that that he's beneath them. <laughs> yeah, like it's hilarious because Polly and Spurg go like, "Eh, GGs. What are you gonna do? Oh well." Like <laughs> Polly. I mean, Anne's the only one who's like. <laughs> I just find that funny. I feel like. I liked Polly's explanation that he was like beneath them. Like, it's a Polly. Because I feel thing. like in majority, yeah. Like I feel like in most situations, Polly would have told the kid to fuck off. But like, <laughs> that explanation works though. Like, <laughs> it's great. And I like just Anne's like I don't know. It's just interesting because like. And in, like, season two, you know what I mean? She's, by the end of, like, reunion, she's definitely, like, established to kind of stand up for herself and do the right thing, do the just thing, even if she does some dumb stuff here and there. You know, I just find it funny that, like, in this episode, like... This is one of those moments. <laughs> it's yeah. Kinda, um, just not... And it, it's and still it, very much in character, especially knowing that like she goes to the mall a lot, and this is probably like a big deal for her. Yeah, like, I always kind of, I always kind of got the vibe like if Anne, Sasha, and Marcy were at the mall, Sasha would probably be the one telling the kid to fuck off. But like, I don't know. I just find it funny that Anne's the one doing it now. But like, I mean, do you think she does it? Do you think they might be the ones cutting the cutting in line? <laughs> Oh, probably, yeah, like, <laughs> probably, like, those, again, like, the trio are a bunch of schemers, like, mm -hmm. so, yeah, but, like, I don't know, I just find it neat that Anne, like, wants to kind of defend her right to be on the line, like, she makes it a lot bigger of a thing than it actually is, and then once the other kids show up, like, she's like, nah, I'm not, I'm not standing for this anymore, I don't know, it's just great. <laughs> She does this whole monologue after Polly says they're beneath it. It's like, it's doing it for justice and all of that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then Hop Hop just runs by in a tux. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> like, 
Like, look at look at him go. <laughs> Just, I'm posing a screenshot too. Like, <laughs> he looks so just tame with it. He's so out of it. He's in his own, literally in his own world right now. He has purpose in this moment. <laughs> and then I love how like they they when they cut back like when they go back to like the hop hop episode it's like they go right into the i just love the opening shot where they like they go it's like that classic like pan down to show off the uh the locale and you know the lights or like it's like a it's like you know it's a an event and you have that sing like you just have some random like singer just like doing their their routine or doing their show and looking at it now this is kind of like the the thematic whiplash that you experience in this episode like we just go to and seeing hop up just run along the street in the tux the most random thing ever next very next scene it's just dramatic back back to this dramatic noir film yeah that's like being like extra posh to the point where it's comedic and yeah hop hop has infiltrated this uh this gala and you know that one newt lady says like oh we don't see many frogs at the neutropolitan you must be very rich (laughs) and you know that's kind of uh oh you must be quite wealthy and that's you know that's the the crow the crew sneaking in a little a little bit of uh classism into this into the show yeah cuz like it's cuz like again like the 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 classism of like the frogs newts and um frog toads and newts it's like i mean obviously it's a part of the show it's a huge part of the world building of it but it's never like Something they kind of like. What's the right word? It's always in your face, but it's not like. It's always there, but it's not in your face. There we go. Like, it's always like subtle things people say. And like, you can tell from like the society itself. Like, obviously, frogs are the, are the lowest chain there, which like, you know, I should have made Anne question Andreas a lot, but you know, Anne Marcy could should have questioned that too. But, anyways. Like, so it's just, it's, it's nice world building in general. I think like the Newtopia arc in general does a great job of this of just having like very like, I don't know. It just has very like subtle world building. Amphibia does this in general, but like, I think the Utopia arc um, does it so well. So, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you eventually the clues come to like the clues come to hop hop in this scene where you know the waiter presents like the the sauce on some sort of like appetizer and i i love i like the use of color for the sauce specifically yeah, for this yeah. scene that was a nice like, I, I like the emphasis on the the emphasis of the sauce really uh you know to really drive the home the fact that that's the sauce and you know that's the clue and then hop hop yeah 
Yeah, he just like he gives t- the waiter <laughs> yeah, he, in public, yeah, in, public. in front just, of everyone. Yeah, he takes out the. <laughs> well, I think technically that comes back later, where like the the security that security like comes into the kitchen. But yeah, before that, like you know, th- those clothes. Apparently, it's like one size fits all, <laughs> since Hoppa was able to fit into them and. Um, <laughs> one thing I do want to say, I'm backtracking a little bit, but, like, I, I love the narrator, like, when the, the new lady goes, like, like, what do you work? And Hop Hop goes, like, I'm a farmer, and the, the narrator goes, like, no, like, yeah, I love that. pharmaceutical executive, like, and then <laughs> nice goes, save. like, nice save, like, <laughs> that is great. <laughs> <laughs> Again, using the narrator for like very like comedic purposes, it's it's so good because pretty much Hop Hop. I said Hop Hop. This is Hop Hop's solo story, but he kind of does have a companion with him, the narrator, the whole time. Even though it's technically him, you know. But it's like not him at the same time, you know. It's it's great. Yeah. And- <laughs> Yeah, and Hop Hop, like, like he, he takes out that security that finds him, but then, of course, like, the, the chef just grabs him and t- just throws him into the trash. And I love the, the chef's, uh, the voice of the chef. I wonder who his voice actor is. Big, like, Bulgarian voice. Travis Willing- Travis Willingham? Okay, that makes sense. He, uh, he's probably... His most prominent role, not prominent role, I think his most, like, well-known role is as Thor in, like, various Avengers media. Wow, he's got range, oh, then. damn. Okay. That's some crazy range. Oh, he's in Critical Role? Hmm. He also, oh, other voices in this episode, uh, Roger Craig Smith... Uh, Misty Lee. Wait, let me look up Misty Lee. That sounds familiar. Okay. Uh, she voices the a character in the next episode. We'll talk about that. Uh, Zeno Robinson. I remember. I remember. Like, Zeno's in this episode. Yeah, like. Uh, Wait, really? Yeah, oh, he, he's he, the waiter. Yeah, he they, he voices like the minor like the the minor characters and the extras and oh I, i'm not surprised right. i'm not surprised because surprised because they probably like like matt worked on big city green so he he probably interacted with all the cast at some point or was somewhat aware of them and that's crazy i did not notice Zeno's voice as the waiter yeah like i didn't even know he was Wait, is he, he know in more episodes? Like, I'm because the only thing I know him in Amphibia for is as young Andreas. Like, that's yeah. that's that's it's crazy hell? because like his voice is like super distinct as well. Like, you could definitely tell yeah. it's him sometimes, but I think I did not notice that. That was crazy. Yeah, huh. yeah, he'll he'll voice a few other Maya characters in some other upcoming episodes. Like hopping mall, shut in. 
yeah, th that's about it until young Andreas, but yeah, Hop Hop's in the trash and he finds his he finds his next clue, which is like the address of like the factory. Uh, the the factory that actually produces the sauce, and we also get that narrator joke again, where it's like <laughs> when when he's talking about what like what may have happened to Sal, and you know the narrator kind of stops him from like thinking of like stuff that's too brutal. <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> like this is the kid show. Chill out, like. <laughs> I like how the, the place where the sauce is made is literally just called Sauce Inc. That's it. Yeah, and uh, cuts back to the arcade, and you know, just when the kids are about to enter, like that, that kid who cut them in line shows up and oh man like, this his scene. friends show up his friends show up and that just this pisses I on love, him like I love this, this scene now like <laughs> this is one of my favorite scenes in the whole Utopia arc this is this was just so good like I'm getting like seriously frustrated and then starts sending death threats to the kid and then the kid starts like, like first the kid doesn't care. He's like, "Oh, what are you gonna do?" And then, then when Anne makes the threat about eating them, then he starts like crying and. Yeah, I, and like, I think the best way I could describe this scene is that I saw a YouTube comment when this episode aired, and it was like, "That kid wouldn't last like an hour in Wartwood." <laughs> 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 yeah, like. I just, I love when, like, Anne's like, doesn't anyone see this injustice? And then one lady goes, like, yo, calm down, please. And Anne goes, like, no, you calm down. Like, <laughs> Anne literally becomes a Karen in this whole scene. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Honestly, I don't, I don't blame her. It was like. <laughs> oh, the like, post. The poster behind them says Barrel Smasher. I don't know if that's that's just a what reference that is. I'm assuming that's I'm assuming that's a Donkey Kong reference because like oh, because it's an barrels. arcade. I was thinking I was thinking like movie yeah. since it looked like a cinema. But yeah, you're right. Is the poster right next to it literally just frog? <laughs> Maybe I think you can't see it fully. <laughs> oh, like probably like Frogger. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Oh yeah, like, that's true. That would make a lot of sense. Yeah. Also, like, Anne's expression when she's like, I'm a monster from another world. <laughs> like, I might eat noose for breakfast. She has, like, sharp teeth. Like, <laughs> the, the, all the expressions in that point are hilarious. Like, <laughs> it's, and of it's course, the, the face when she goes, want to find out. <laughs> yeah. The, the, whole, the whole deep voice. Yeah, then her freight like it's... yeah, all the expressions in this episode. I think uh I'm checking the credits again for, for this. Um Whoever boarded this. Okay, Drew Applegate and Nat Mara. Okay, I wanna I wanna say this is Drew Applegate, but 
Both of them do pretty like funny expressions. Yeah. Yeah. I think Drew may have done this scene. I'm thinking. I think Matt may have done the uh, the hot pop ones. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, and then it, it cuts back to uh, Hop Hop's story. He's breaking into the into the factory. I love how some guy notices him, but just doesn't do anything. <laughs> just it. brushes it yeah. off like, yeah, this is normal. Yeah, like he's just like, I'm not getting paid enough for this, so just keep yeah. going. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and then uh, yeah, Hop Hop gets like caught by a uh, by the foreman. Oh, sorry, not foreman, sorry, the floor manager. And, uh... Yeah, they get into a fight. And, you know, that's when we get the... <laughs> yeah, he Hop-Hop... We, we don't see a body. Like, we don't see the body, but... Yeah, Hop-Hop... Well, okay. That man's dead. I mean, okay, <laughs> technically Hop-Hop didn't... Hoppa moved out of the way and the guy fell in. <laughs> I feel like people like <laughs> oh people people omit that, but you know, that's a that omission kind of makes it funnier, so <laughs> Yeah, I was about to say like <laughs> Yeah, to to be fair, I feel like it does count as murder because since he was Sort of defending himself or fighting him. <laughs> it's in the spirit of uh, of yeah. uh, incidental. Yeah, it's just really funny to, to really take out the context and just say he killed him over sauce. <laughs> like... <laughs> he literally died the sauce. That's how he yeah. died. And Nick, I'm, I'm glad you could join us. Uh, I guess, what are your general thoughts on uh, Little Frog Town? This is absolutely one of my favorites, and like every time I come to rewatch it, like it, it's still fresh. My enjoyment of it, like, it never dies down. Like, you have like the hilarity, you, you know, you have like the strong lessons you get from a hop up episode. You have like the hilarity of an hop up episode. Then you just take that and mix noir with it, and yeah, then you have like the new, new location that Utopia is, and it's just my God, like, it's just a really nice episode of hop up running around, getting into dangerous shit. Just to get a taste of his friend's sauce, like it, it's pretty crazy, but hey, hey, it works, and it's just an absolute banger. All right, thank you, Nick. Yeah, and, and after Hop Hop gets rid of the the floor manager, uh, yeah, he gets he gets surrounded and pretty much captured and brought into the the office of the guy who's running this operation, and. Uh, we find out Sal, who was voiced by. I mean, I wish I had this out. It, who's voiced by Maurice Lamarche. And for those of you who don't know, he voices, like, Brain from Animaniacs. Wait, really? Yeah. Oh. Hey, so I'm he's, like, he's his, like. His, oh. his resume is like. The people they get for this show, even for minor place, uh, parts, has these really impressive resumes. 
Oh, hey, I found out he's from Toronto. That's that's cool. Toronto, Canada. Hey. Oh, yeah. Yeah. holy shit. Yeah, his... Wow, okay. I'm looking at some of the characters he voiced. And God, yeah, this guy has, like, a huge... Yeah, God, there it is. Holy shit. That's yeah, insane. Like, yeah. God damn. Like, he's played... Holy crap. That's, like, just so many right there. He was King uh, Ponyhead... In Star Versus, if anyone watched that. Wait, what? Yeah. Wow. Okay. Wow. Okay. He was father of the next door too. Like, okay, that I can, that I can recognize, like the voice. Yeah, I didn't even like. You know, it's it's like the kind of thing where, like, as soon as someone just like tells you, suddenly your brain. I mean, for me, I guess like my brain just starts making those connections later, and like, and it's like. Oh, it just feels so obvious beforehand. <laughs> like, this is insane, but yeah. It's really just awesome the kind of talent that I've managed to pull onto the channel. Right? Yeah. yeah, and uh, you know, Hop Hop gets to finally like talk with Sal about what's uh, what's going on, and you know, Sal gives oh. this whole. Oh, go ahead, Nick. Uh, no, uh, that was boss. But uh, he—that's uh, where I recognize his voice. He—he he was. Uh, is anyone? Here, anyone here watch Zootopia? Like the movie, yeah, I, I've seen. Yeah, it. yeah. he was a uh, Mr. Big, like the little mouse mafia boss. Oh, oh yeah! yeah, that was him. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, we, we get One the back. Um... Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, one thing I do want to mention, though, is, like, I don't think I mentioned this previously. I just love, like, Hop Hop's, like, you kidnapped yourself, like, to, uh, um, but she can't connect the dots together. And it's, like, I love that, just the mystery part of the episode in general. Like, I feel like season two has a lot more of, like, solving puzzles, solving mysteries. There's a lot more, like, what's the right word? Like, a lot more of that. They're, they're, it'll pop into my head eventually. But, like, I, I love that, like, this episode kind of continues with the idea. You know, Scavenger Hunt, we were kind of playing a game a bit, trying to solve a puzzle. Um, and here we're kind of trying to solve a mystery. And then, like, we go further in the season. We're doing the temples and stuff and, like, solving those. There's a lot more puzzle solving and like mystery elements to season two than like I feel like that even like the other seasons, like they had like can't think of many snippets of that, but like we there was definitely a lot more like mystery and like yeah, in, in this season in general. So like I like that this episode kind of follows up with that idea with just having the whole episode be like hot pop trying to figure out like what the hell happened to Sal and his sauce, you know? But yeah. Yeah, that's a nice ob- observation. Thank you, Impact. Yeah, like, yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I agree with that. Because, like, I do feel like this sort of episode, like, builds into that overall adventure feeling that they're trying to go for with season two, right? Because, I mean, in a way, Hop Hop's still going out there, like, looking around, trying to figure something out. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's the idea of like searching, putting your um, putting like one foot ahead of the other. So I feel like, yeah, like that that it, I feel like 
the season getting experimental like that, right? Like sort of trying to break uh, boundaries on itself. Like it, it yeah, it, it sort of does feel like there's like this greater connection going. On. Yeah, and uh, yeah, Sal kind of explains like his story with the sauce and how like. Everyone just wanted the sauce, so then he he finally decided to try and embrace that and focus on just the sauce, and it that took off, and he was able to get like wealthy. He was able to become successful off the sauce, and he gives us really nice like talk about change and yeah, uh, I was about to say definitely a nice little piece of advice. Um, about uh, yeah. Turns out, if you embrace change instead of looking back at the past all the time, you know, you get a say in what the future looks like. Yep. And yeah, the, that's. Oh, go ahead, Bloss. I was just gonna say that's just a that's just a really cool lesson. It's crazy the kind of oh. lessons they teach you in this show. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I feel like yeah, this definitely. Like, I love how the show knows what it's about since day one. And, like, even the, mo- even the most, like, even the episodes where it's not all the drama still, like, still hits that point home with, like, everything it does. Like, when, when, you, when you say, like, I think Matt has said, like, Amphibia is about change. When you, when you go with, like, yeah. a word, when you describe a show with a single word like that you kind of had to like it's a very broad it's like very like it's a very broad topic and having so many episodes like covering different aspects of of change is such a wonderful thing yeah i mean yeah i just i just sort of you know i as as you were saying that, I, I I made that connection. It's like you know, the show's about change. It's the it's kind of crazy. That's just so constant throughout the show. Even when they're not mentioning it, you see it. Yeah, yes. and like I think like it's it's great for Hot Pop too, because you know Hot Pop has always been a character who very much loves to talk about how things were better previously or in the. It back in his day, right in the past, and like he's always trying to bring it back to his like dreams of acting, like in Caravan Named Desire or Hollywood Hot Pop. He's always kind of itching for that, that like for the past, right? And it's just like it's great for this episode specifically, like you know, all, a lot of Hot Pop's episodes kind of do a similar thing with like him having to be like, okay, I have to focus on the present or like letting go of the past for a new, brighter future now. And it's like, which is great for, cause he's like the oldest character in the cast. Well, besides Andreas, but that's a different, whole different thing. But like, it's, I don't know. It's just like a great lesson for hot pop as a character to finally, to, to get that idea in his head to, to accept change, you know what I mean? Obviously, that's the whole point of the show, but, like, for a Hop Hop episode specifically, it works really well here. So, yeah. And I feel like... Yeah, um, 
Oh, sorry. Uh, uh, it it reminds me of uh, when it like it kind of started for him. It all the way back in Stakeout. That's when we saw Pop Pop was really you know adamant on his ways of the past. Uh, you know, ridiculing Anne about you know these younglings can't do anything these days. Back in my day, back in my day. Yeah, and that that growth kind of started for him there, but you know he. He still had bits and pieces of it, and I think episodes like these definitely, definitely help him. You know, think about, hey, maybe it's time to move on with my life instead of thinking about what happened. I, I think what separates this episode from like other episodes where Hop Hop like learns to learns to like accept like le- learns to move away from the old ways is that in this case it's like. He's encountering someone like his age from his past who kind of moved on. And like now, like it's different when like someone young or older tells you like a lesson compared to someone who's like the same age as you. Because like you both like it's easier to relate to someone your age. Because it feels like you've shared the same experiences as them. And then since... And if Sal could do it, then, like... It's something Hop-Hop could do as well. Yeah, that... Yeah, that's that's a great way of looking at it, yeah. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, I gotta agree. Uh... I feel like uh, maybe it's definitely the lesson. This episode is definitely a lesson for all ages, but I'm pretty sure, you know, for the younger audience that watches this show, you'll, you'll find yourself relating with Anne a lot more than anybody, because like you said, them, it's easier to relate, relate with someone your age rather than someone who's either way younger or way older than you. But I think um, there's those those there's there's those um, uh, not I can't even speak. Oh, like yeah, I, I do think the message is still like relatable. I just think in, from Hop Hop's perspective, it's like yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm, he, yeah he's seeing. I'm just saying, there's these moments oh, okay. in the show that uh, are for everyone. It's not really a specific lesson for anyone, uh, like specifically for, you know, in this case, older people. But there are these moments in the show and there's a lot of them that are just advice for, you know, anyone of any age. Yeah. And, uh, you know, like Sal gives Hop Hop like some compliment, complimentary sauce and, you know, like if the guy barges in about the body in Vat Three, and then Hop Up just immediately like he just dips, dips out, out like the I'm window. <laughs> and I'm trying to—I couldn't find it here. Like it's somewhere in this episode. I just wanted to wrap up the Hop Up, like wrap up the sauce stuff. There was a note somewhere where it shows the sauce recipe. And it's basically like wastewater and something else, but I can't find that that note. 
wastewater. You know, I was about to say would gross, be, but then like at the beginning of the episode, at the beginning, maybe. Well, I mean, like, I would assume I don't know where it would be, but I would assume like when he gets in the Sal's like old place, right? He would say maybe something like that. I don't know. That's what I'd assume. I'm trying to check now. I'm trying to look for it. I was about to say gross by the fact yeah. you said wastewater, and then I remember this is amphibia. So. <laughs> I'm trying to find it. Like I, I know, exa- I know exactly what you're talking about. I was gonna bring it up myself. Yeah, like, there, I think there is one shot where you get to see like what the secret ingredient is, and I think it's like normal sauce is mixed up with wastewater and something, and like. I don't know. So, somehow, the world of the movie is very attractive to that. I guess that's where the sauce gets its tang. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, like, Hop Hop eventually go. He goes back to the arcade and finds the kid. The kid's there, and <laughs> we get the flashback of Anne getting tased. <laughs> Oh, I I found I found the recipe. It's it's just ditch water and food coloring. Like why would you need a factory if that's like I guess to mix the food coloring, but then I love how they're so worried about like like the health inspector, like they're worried about a body going into the sauce, even though the sauce is just like ditch ditch water, which is probably like a mix of like so many other things, but just chemicals. I mean, I chemical water and food coloring. I mean, I guess it's diluted, <laughs> but to a <laughs> an extreme degree with various other <laughs> materials. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, like Anne. Yeah, Anne got tased by uh, security. I guess. <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> it's like I love when you like it doesn't it when we first see the kids we see like Anne's hair is all messed up and you're like what the hell happened and I even in the arcade and then we get the flash because the. The episode could have easily just went to that point in the flashback and then, like, showed them, like, sitting there and Hop Hop coming back. But, like, I think it just works, like, from a comedic aspect that we see the... That it flashbacks, like, a little bit. Like, I don't know. It's... Yeah. It's great. And you also get, like, the... I like how Anne is just... I like how Anne is just so, you know... Yeah. Certain and confident in the fact that oh they're not gonna tase me I'm just a kid and they just immediately do it yeah it's like a little zaptipede yeah because like Natopia like like the Natopia guard I'm just, like yeah it might be a kid but like to them she's still like this weird exotic creature so they're just, <laughs> right so they're not even gonna bother like giving any mercy they'll, they'll just go for it yeah and. Yeah, and like, I think I'll echo what Blouse said here, but like, Anne is like, she doesn't learn any lesson from this. <laughs> she just like, 
she she is still very much like well i was right and they were wrong so whatever like which i mean to be fair yeah i feel like yeah she she had a point Whoa. like I, I like that though like i feel like i don't know what it is about that but i like Anne being like very confident in herself and like what she believes in you know like she's not like oh you know maybe the kids were right or whatever or some stupid bullcrap no, even after getting tased, she's still like, nah, nah, I was still right. Those kids were little assholes. Like, <laughs> so, like, a little side note I really like uh, the look of Anne's hair when it's all zapped and stuff. It's, uh... Yeah, it's great. I'm not sure what it is about it. It's like it's really different. It's just like it's like it's standing up all over the place. It, it, it's kind of like it kind of looks like she has a weird mullet. Yeah. There's also no leaves and yeah. stick in her hair. Oh, cool. I don't know. Yeah, and uh, the episode kind of ends off with a uh, hop hop trapped in like narrator mode. <laughs> <laughs> Like he's just—I don't know. Oh man, like that's so cruel, but also just so funny. Like the fact that he's just trapped his own thoughts, and and he's begging the kids to come help him, and like he can't even do anything. Yeah, and like, and like from Anne and like the the kids' perspective, it's like. Like what the hell? What are you doing? How far are you He's good? just and, like, standing there. Yeah, like... Great. Yeah, and, and that's. I guess. Any quick final thoughts from, from you guys? Like, I guess starting with Nick. Do you, like any. Anything we didn't cover from from the the segment. Um, yeah, I can't remember in particular, but like, yeah, like, and then for final thoughts, um, I don't know, like, just, man, like, yeah, this is definitely up there. I, honestly, this is, shoot. I always say it's only like a lot of a ranking of it, but yeah, this is one of my favorite Utopia arc episodes. Like, it's an easy rewatch every single time because, yeah, I, I love from the beginning experimental. I love Hop Pop just like, Staying around, do whatever the hell he wants because it's really funny. Makes for a great episode. And like, yeah, I, I just love how it's also just packed with like one of Amphibia's like probably like you know hardest hitting messages. And like, yeah, I mean it's it's like, I agree with what you guys were saying earlier. Like it, it's just awesome to like because the show makes its biggest, most hard hitting point in the final episode. But it's also awesome to see how you can just look back at past episodes and just realize, yeah, the show always had this figured out. The show always knew what it was doing with its characters and its themes, right? Like, it knew what it was from day one, and it's always just been building that as its identity. And, like, yeah, like, that's just an awesome thing to, like, look around for, because you even had that in, like, episodes like, um, like Caravan Named Desire, where, yeah, they, they bring up the idea that every dream comes to a price, right? And then, like, you know, you move down later in the season, and they have the plot with Grime and 
Sasha building a whole army, and like that's like the whole thing about that. Like not even just them, but like also Mark's manager. It's just like, wow, like this is the power of your. This is the power of a pre-planned show. Like it just feels so like thematically rich. And yeah, like, that's what I love about this episode. Like how it just fits in so well with some of Amphibia's most powerful lessons. All right. Oh, besides this being really fun all around, like it, it's a hilarious episode. Also, sorry for going. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Once he's out, last one. In. Damn, that was good. All right, thank you, Nick. Uh, Bloss, any, just any final thoughts on uh, Little Fun uh, Town? Yeah, I mean, like Nick kind of said, like I just love it when uh, these kind of episodes happen, like when the crew just messes around and has some fun with their show and see what they can do, and while still remaining while still you know keeping those main foundations of the show in place uh and like yeah like exactly what nick said like that's the power of the the when a when a show knows what it's doing it it's practically no matter what they do it always feels just so structured and in place but yeah uh definitely this is probably in the Newtopia arc. This yeah, this is actually probably my favorite episode, not segment. Well, this entire episode is probably my favorite, but in terms of hop hop, uh, yeah, definitely one of my favorites. All right, thank you, Bloss. Uh, Impact. Any final thoughts on Little Frog Town? Pretty much what Nick said. That was like. Yeah, like, I everything Nick said and this episode is hilarious. Like, every joke in this episode nails. Like, they, they nail it. It's, I love Little Frog Town. I love the aesthetic. I love the mystery feel to it. I love the lesson Hop Pop learns here. I The comedy is great. Karen Ann is hilarious. Like, it's, this episode's a banger. Like, <laughs> I love it. Little Frog Town, and I love rewatching this episode over and over again. I'm not sure what it is, but like, besides everything I said, but like, it's very rewatchable. Like, the Newtopia arc in general just has that, like, it's chill enough, so then there isn't like enough stuff that you have to know before watching it, but like, it, it's just great. I love Little Frog Town. My favorite Hot Pop episode. It's just, yeah, it's a great. All right, thank you, Impact. And when when you said Karen Ann, you mean Care Ann? Yeah, that's and that is pretty much Little Frog Town. Yeah, I thought it was a great episode. N- Nick kind of summarized it very nicely, so I don't have much much to add on to that. But with that, we can go into Hopping Mall, which is uh, <laughs> written by Todd McClintock, storyboards by Alicia Rocha and Silver Paul, and directed by Jen Strickland. So we we know what happens in this episode. We'll save those thoughts about that moment. For for the end, because I know we can. That is probably its own discussion. But 
yeah, Hopping Mall was a really fun episode with a very special ending, which is. I guess I'll try. I'll we'll we'll try and focus on this uh, the episode itself. It was nice to see like an Ann and Sprig adventure. That was great, and of course, like the the main like the, the plot of this episode is Anne thinking about her mom. That was great. Yeah, I, 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 I'm debate. Actually, yeah, I'll let you guys give your general thoughts. Um, I, I guess Bloss, what are you just your general thoughts on like the the mood or the the vibe of the episode? Uh, the core of the episode. Um, I definitely, I just gotta say, for obvious reasons, this uh this episode's. Definitely my top five, but um, the episode as a whole, just the whole plot of it, uh, it's very, I felt like it was very needed to, you know, the the topic of souvenirs and stuff and, you know, thinking about family. And I love the, the whole, I love the references they made in this episode. I love the, just the a good old Spriggan Ann adventure. All right, thank you, Bloss. Uh, Impact. What are your general thoughts on Hopping Mall? Ooh, so like, Hopping Mall is is interesting because I feel like the the first like you know, pretty much the two thirds of the episode are like very normal. You know what I mean? But there's always that kind of hint that like when Anne's talking about her mom, that there's something a little more to it. And then the final scene, I won't go too much into it, but essentially it decks you in the face with emotion. <laughs> so, like, yeah. it's... I really like Hopping Mall. It's, there's, there's a lot to talk about with this episode, and it's, it's a nice brand adventure. I love the... Yeah, I'll, I'll get more into it when, when we get there, but this episode is a banger. Once, you know, I keep, feel like I keep saying that for the entirety of the Utopia arc, so... But, <laughs> Yeah, this is great. All right, thank you, Impact. Uh, Nick, what are your thoughts on Hopping Mall? I mean, I really like this episode. Like, it has, it has like, yeah, I mean, I, I know there's, like, the iconic kind of thing, but, like, I, I really do enjoy, um, like, the first two thirds. Because, obviously, you know, spraying stuff, it's, like, they have such a fun dynamic. It's going to make a really good episode on, on its own. But I also just, I, I just really love the heart of this episode, you know, and, and, and it, it does feel like an episode that does sort of play on, like, the point they're trying to make of Anne wrong season two, like, where she's coming to her home. Like, it's, it's, like, you really get to see Anne at her best here with how she just, you know, quickly befriends someone who's, like, you know, was an enemy to her about ten minutes ago. And it's just, yeah, really sweet. Like, there's just a lot of sweet stuff, and I feel that this is one of those episodes that just show off um, to be his heart the best. Not even just the end, like the whole thing. Also, it's like God. It's like it, it's a very. I mean, I'll just. I'll, I mean, I'll go into this point later when we get to that. But yeah, this this is a very. This is the kind of episode that came out at the right time. Like I know that timing wasn't intentional, but my God, like. <laughs> like I'll go into it later when we get to it. 
All right, thank you, Nick. And uh, I guess we can start with the like like the the episode starts off with like Hop Hop like giving each of the kids like basically two dollars to buy a gift <laughs> or to buy a souvenir because uh it's kind of a way to like write off the uh it's kind of a way to like avoid using the credit card for everything <laughs> no that still makes me mad the fact that come on you guys are fucking poor you're <laughs> poor use that card like they're fucking poor like what is he doing <laughs> like they're literally poor they, they live below the poverty line like buy some shit like what is he doing god and you already know what bullshit he gets to on, like, on the episode. I'm sorry, that always makes me mad. Like, Hot Pop, this is your chance, dude. This is your chance. I feel like the only one who really used the royal credit card, at least the most, was Sprig in uh, Planter's Check-In. So, <laughs> I mean... Well, I, I definitely... Yeah, like, I really wish they just, uh, like, they were rich, like, literally infinite funds. They could have bought a lot of stuff, but, uh, in the end, Hot Pop is like, you know, it's all about the meaning of the gift, so you gotta, you gotta buy it. Can't just, you know, get it for free. Yeah, then that's when Polly learns about, uh bargaining and or haggling or I'm looking for the word yeah I'm just waiting for that time that that mark but so yeah like Polly is going to learn how to haggle like, yeah that's the word yeah and Polly immediately like we'll see what she does with this knowledge later <laughs> uh, side note yeah. hop topic Classic. Y'all the Y'all the dumb amphibia puns. See Flora. Frog Claire. We like what I I don't even pronounce that. We 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 thottles pre what? Looks like wet wetzelottles and pretzelottles. There you go. Okay, I'm stupid. Oh shit! What is it? like a bunch of dumb puns we screw around. Does that just say herpetology? Is that a is that a little bit of a? No, that'd be that'd be too specific. <laughs> oh, but I mean, to be fair, I can kind of see it being intentional. <laughs> I mean, we all know what happens at the end. Maybe it was a little little nudge. A little reference to it and becoming a herpetologist yeah and uh yeah that's when like hop up and polly kind of <laughs> take their leave from the episode <laughs> and uh you know that that's when we get like the spran the spran adventure and Anne mentions getting a souvenir for her mom. Sprig's getting a souvenir for Ivy. 
And I like how when 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 Anne is giving that like when Anne is talking about why she wants to get a souvenir for her mom, like Sprig has already <laughs> Sprig already shows up with a souvenir. Yeah. <laughs> she just asks how the hell and then she just Sprig has no idea how that happened. Yeah, and I, I love I love how when he when Sprig mentions like the, the whistling noise, like you can actually hear that same noise when he's using that staff throughout the episode. No, oh, I didn't even know that. Yeah. I find it funny that like Sprig like just hits in the face too, <laughs> like when he first shows it off, like <laughs> Yeah. I love how he's like talking about Ivy, <laughs> and just also like the sparkle in his eyes. You know, at that point, was Ivy really mentioned in season two? I feel like that was the first mention of her. Yeah, I think it was. Yeah, because I know back in like the beginning of season two, they kind of just like le- left immediately. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, I didn't even realize, but yeah, like, we pretty much didn't hear from Wartwood for, like, what, like, a year and a half after season one ended? Because, it, yeah. It, because we had the whole hiatus, right, from season one to season two, and we had the whole hiatus from, like, 2A to 2B, and I guess we we didn't really... Okay, I, okay, yeah, there, there was... Oh, not a, no, what was that episode called? Like, you know, the Halloween episode for Odie forgot, like, was it... Oh, we had the shut-in. I guess we had the shut-in, but, like, if we're going, if we're talking canon, we were basically like canically didn't step foot in Wartwood for like a year and a half. Like we just didn't see like that lovable town for half a year. I mean, oh, yeah, yeah, I mean you could you could say it was it longer was a... than that because the hiatus was a year, and then they left. They were on the planner farm most of the time, in that in Handy Ann. Oh, we we saw Loggle yeah. at least. Yeah, a lot of those. Yeah, a lot of those. Like, all going But I guess, yeah, that... <laughs> At least those two got a book. Yeah. yeah. That's weird to think about, though, that they didn't directly say goodbye. I mean, we eventually figured out they did talk to them in a in Return to Wartwood, but, like... Huh. It didn't... It doesn't feel that way, though. Like, at least... I mean, I don't know. I mean, obviously, for you guys, it was... Very different because you guys had a whole hiatus. Yeah. As soon as I, yeah, yeah, like... actually, impact. Like, sorry to interrupt. Like, yeah, that was basically what we were thinking at the time too. We we're like, oh, we just immediately left, and then like, of course, like, a, a return to Warwood kind of like, uh, just like filled in that minor like that that nitpick or not even a nitpick because we we spent war we spent time in Warwood for so long. That when we saw them immediately leave, like everyone was kind of confused, like, "Oh, they didn't say bye to Sylvia or Ivy or anyone else," and and then Return to War would kind of like proved us wrong by saying, "No, there that there was a reason, but it was for a pretty funny gag." Yeah, like it's, I don't know, like it in my head, I wasn't thinking about that, like when, like I guess because like. All the season one characters were just kind of fresh in my head. It never occurred to me like, oh yeah, I guess we haven't really talked to anyone in War besides a lot. Well, I mean, hold on, we got Loggle like before they left, and then we met Wally, 
so it was like and then we met you know chuck the legend you know but like i didn't i don't know that's like it didn't feel like like i was missing something i guess like but now since you mentioned it now it does feel weird because it felt even weird for me like even like in season three when we come back to amphibia like and like in commander Anne, and like the characters don't really like talk to any of the townies when they get back there see that weirded me out but here like not really so i don't know i feel like the fact um i feel like it's uh with hiatus and everything it felt immersive to be honest you know it actually felt like you know you were like yeah and on the road and then like it felt like that length of time was the same amount of time as it took for the road trip to happen and it took for the 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 time in utopia and then the time back it really highest really kind of helped with immersion if i'm being honest yeah and we'll save that talk for like for for night drivers and return to war it's it's a, it's a little bit more relevant there but uh mm-hmm. yeah sorry like i i just wanted to mentioned that before like we got into like a bigger discussion about it but yeah like sprig is breaking shit and and grabs him out (laughs) and uh hop hop to the king pardon bill it to the king and just tells the the pot guy to bill it to the king oh right right okay (laughs) <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, hot pop oh, discovery. I love this 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 massage chair side plot so much. And then the the single tear from Muppet Face Hop <laughs> That face <laughs> sent me for a ride, I tell you that. <laughs> you remind me of a I can't remember the episode where, like, Anne was also in, like, a massage chair, and, like, that guy was, like, it was, like, a flashback to Earth, and the employee was, like, telling Anne to get off. (laughs) Oh, yeah, 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 I remember that. Yeah, I can't remember the episode, (laughs) but... Yeah, I'm trying to, too, I can't. Like, normally I can just, because it's a season one episode, normally for season one, since I spent, like, a year, like, re-watching those episodes and making memes from it, like, I tend to be pretty good at remembering, <laughs> remembering them, but <laughs> this is, I'm just drawing a blank for this one, but. Yeah, we cut back to, like, this antique store, and Ann and Sprigger looking for a gift. Yeah, it just I think it was. Oh, go ahead, Bloss, yeah. I think it was in Girl Time. Uh, that flashback, season one, episode six B. Oh, okay. Let me just. Yep. Okay. Yeah, it is there. Oh, you found it. Okay. Oh, sweet. Yeah, and then. Yeah, Anne mentions her mom likes what was it? Butterflies, tea. And 
one of a kind antiques. Okay, so antiques, butterflies, drinking tea. Wait, I just realized that like the the tea part's interesting because obviously you know the teapot, whatever. But also like I think in New Normal, like Mrs. Boonshoy, like in the supermarket, like she specifically says like like she's looking for like jasmine tea. I I forget the exact line. Like she's with but I know she was looking directly for tea. I never connected that dot that was like referencing like this episode. I mean, I should have. The character literally is like referenced and so much here. But doesn't she say yeah. something about uh, yeah, "Mama needs some new tea" or something like that? Yeah, yeah, like, Mama, <laughs> yeah Mama needs her jasmine tea. Like, yeah, that's cool. I feel like you know. I feel yeah. That definitely. Uh, Actually, yeah, that was definitely intentional to the whole yeah. ant- antique butterfly and a teapot. That's like literally the perfect gift. Yeah. Uh, did we talk about Priscilla's introduction yet? Oh, no, not we haven't. Yet. I think we're not. Yeah, yeah. We're almost at that part. We're like, we're she's trying to buy store. the store. Yeah. yeah, she's trying to buy the teapot. And the dude's like, it's not for sale, or something like that. <laughs> God, I, mean, I don't know myself. I, mean, uh, I don't know. <laughs> the store, the store, the store clerk was like super silly on purpose. Like, I don't know. <laughs> like, he's looking at him and like seeing that, like that one long strand of hair that just comes off the top of his head. He makes me laugh. Like, he just looks so fucking good. I what I want to know his voice actors because he's got that like little lisp to him. Yeah. I love, like, Anne's comment. Like, she's like, I'll pay, like, 600 coppers. I'll pay 9,000 coppers. And Spring's like, we only have two. And, like... (laughs) 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 And then Anne just signs up for a a thing she doesn't even know. Like, she doesn't even know the sport she's about to play. Like, (laughs) to get the teapot. Like, it's great. And then we get Priscilla. 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 There we go. I'm just like, what an, I mean, I'm just, yeah, going into that, just like, I don't know, like, yeah, she's, um, yeah, I, I don't know, just, just, just with this episode, it always made me wish we got more, more for Priscilla and Pearl, because, like, I don't know, like, their designs are awesome. They had, like, a lot of fun scenes. They had, like, a really good moment with Anne this episode, like, it, it, it's, I don't know, they're, they're, these two are just really, these two are just, like, lots of fun. Yeah, like, we only, we only get them back, like, during, like, the rebellion, but, like, not really. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Like, they're in the background, yeah. like, that doesn't count. I, I only actually noticed them uh, in, I think, yeah, at the end of uh, all in. <laughs> it was like the only time. I was like, "Oh wow, they're there!" I didn't know. Yeah, I think I think they're in some parts in the background and all in. I mean, part the hardest thing, but like, yeah, that that don't count. Like, <laughs> you know, like yeah, they're uh, in that that shot of and when she mentions Amphibia's greatest treasure. Yeah, but yeah, Priscilla. I gotta say, when she first like walked in. 
that like that voice fits her design so good. Yeah. And like her design overall, like that's just the ripped newt. Uh yeah, I mean I wouldn't be surprised if uh, some people were uh kind of simping for her. Oh my god. I mean you think about how how you think about how people simp for Olivia and you Nan and I can only imagine how some people thought. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Most likely, I mean, yeah, it's it's not, you know, it's 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 amphibia. Yeah, like, ha- have you yeah. noticed how because the newts are most <gasps> atom like have the closest anatomy to humans? They're the ones getting most of the. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> The point is, as long as it's a newt, it's not off the table, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> I can't believe we're talking about this. <laughs> Don't, I mean... <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, and Pris- Priscilla and Pearl show up. Uh, they're voiced by Pris- Misty Lee Misty and... Lee. Uh, She's got a lot of uh, video game credits. Um, if anyone played Jedi Fallen Order, she was the ninth sister. I haven't played the game, but I'm familiar with. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, she was Aunt May in the. What was it? I guess in the newest Spider-Man show. Uh, I think it was the spectacular one, actually. Hold on. Really? Ultimate. What? It was oh. ultimate. Oh, oh whatever. Oh, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, oh. I was like, ooh, spectacular spider. Oh, oh no, no, never mind. Like. <laughs> <laughs> she's got a she's got a lot of uh, nice side gigs for video games. Yeah, like God, man, that straight up just. Like, because he did this for Albrecht, and he did this for Leaf, but yeah, he just like, I, I bet he just listened to his favorite video games, and he's just like, shit, I'm gonna, I'm gonna steal some of them, I'm gonna steal some of them, so I'm gonna take them off my show. <laughs> and uh, I like how, for for both Priscilla and Pearl's designs, they have like a little butterfly, they, they have some sort of butterfly image somewhere to to show us like the... The reveal later on, like how, like why yeah. like the 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 teeth, like the little hints are already there. Yeah, yeah. Do we have like that yeah. butterfly motif going on? Looks like uh, if you look at the 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 teapot uh, poster, yeah, definitely uh, a driving theme in Penny Paddock's, uh, who is Priscilla's mother, um, her work. I wonder if uh, other do you think other um, she made a bunch of other things in that same shop they're in? Maybe. Like, let me take a look at the shop. 
not sure, but it doesn't look like it. it. Looks like it's just a bunch of antiques. So you you guys already discussed? Did you guys already discuss Anne signing up for this challenge? Uh, we just got to Priscilla introduction. Oh yeah, yeah. So they're gonna they want to win the teapot and. You know, Anne's determined as well. And I love the joke about, it's like, <laughs> Pearl asking how to spell winner. <laughs> just put your name down, sweetie. <laughs> yeah, I love that. I just, yeah, I, I just love that. Like, I just love, see, I just really like, I just really love how that, that sort of matched up with Anne herself. You know, like, Anne's, like, pretty competitive herself, right? Like, you know, when it comes to something that she really wants to win, so, like, yeah, I don't know. I, I just love that, that energy that's immediately there. Her her whole personality, like everything about her, like for a like a side character, uh, it's a uh, it's I don't know. It's I feel like it's kind of rare seeing like that kind of personality and design, and you know depth to those kind of characters. Kind of crazy. Yeah, once we see them more later on, yeah, like I, I get what you mean. They're really like they're probably my favorite Newtopia side characters. Yeah, I can't really think of anything yeah, else. Yeah, I don't think. Yeah, I mean, there's. I guess there's that, but like, yeah, you know, these. I think. Yeah, these two are definitely out there. Just I don't know. Just like they're dynamic with Anne, like. Other dynamic and like you know like the some of the themes that they explore like I don't know man it, it's yeah I mean they're kind of matched when it comes to the Tuffy side characters so yeah I feel like I mean they're they're a very easy argument for number one yeah like I mean we got like Sal and then like what Jerry like and then, like Gertie <laughs> I mean J- oh yeah right <laughs> Gertie and then like. The grandma, <laughs> I forget her name. The old lady, but then old of course, knew and... oh sorry, no, no, I wasn't gonna say anything else. But then of course, Bella's the one who got. Out of all the Utopia characters, Bella was the one who got her <laughs> own moment in the finale because you know, yeah, <laughs> you know why, you know why. <laughs> I must say, hmm. I'd say she's tied. Priscilla's tied for first in terms of favorite side characters in Utopia. And he's, she's probably tied with the the guy in Lost in Utopia in the tail shop that goes tails, 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 tails. <laughs> Definitely a underrated side character in my opinion. I think like I think honestly like to go drift a little bit uh, off topic but like the I love Anne's joke where like like she's like trying to threaten Priscilla like like we're gonna destroy you like at this derby thing that I don't know how to play or what it is like <laughs> that's not the exact quote but like I don't know it's just great like <laughs> Anne uh, slowly starts losing your confidence like the more she starts thinking about it like <laughs> Definitely shows her competitive spirit, but you know it clearly backfired her on her trying to make threats to a game she doesn't even know how to play. Exactly, yeah. 
and then I think we kind of go like straight out of that to like. Yeah, it looks like uh, Anne is figuring out the rules now. She's actually figuring out the game they're supposed to be playing. Like, mm-hmm. with Sprig, like, messing around with the, uh, with his stick. <laughs> Sprig's look when the pole lands on him. Yeah. And, like, yeah, that's just great. I was going to say, like, I don't know exactly how the heck. Oh. No, I was going to he was like, he was like, how bad is it? Like, he was like, how bad is it? <laughs> like, he looked at his eye, he was just like, how bad is it? Like, he looked at his eye, he was like, oh, God, I was like, Yeah, and then Paul. <laughs> what the hell is yeah, that? All those expressions with Sprig with that. <laughs> Hilarious. <laughs> and then and then Polly shows up with her golden golden bucket. And uh, That's right. Uh the design. Let's talk about that. Well, I wanted to talk about Polly's just because I know, oh, I know, yeah. I know the bucket will will be like another conversation, but like, apparently, Polly. <laughs> just... <laughs> yeah, I just, I just, pay, I just posted like a picture of Polly's face with how she's like... all deflated, <laughs> and how she like exposed the shopkeeper's weakness <laughs> to get. I just like how they, they zoom in on her and like the, the background darkens as she like apparently like poor, like tormented this like poor person into letting her keep the bucket before just like running off to, to look at something else. I think it was bones or bows. <laughs> Looking at the scene now. Polly just Polly's just evil. <laughs> She's just pure evil. It's kind of, it's kind of weird because this Polly compared to the one at the end of the show is like both the same, but yet so different. Yeah, she's always been like, yeah, I know she's because like, like Polly, still has like her sort of like go get her personality, right? And like, um, but like. At the but like towards the end, like it's like it sort of gets replaced for something else, I guess. Like she goes, uh, you know what I mean? Like it goes from her just like it's like, like she's her, growing she up. Yeah. yeah, it's like you yeah. know how like a, a baby goes from like you know learning letters and stuff, and then they they grow and then they have different interests. Like they don't want to you know play this game anymore; they want to do this. Well, it's like different priorities. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I guess we can talk about the bucket where, yeah, there was a lot of discussion around this bucket where you see, like, this giant, like, the newts and the gems and this mm-hmm. bigger force. Oh, yeah, and people were thinking, oh, is this, is this the night? Like, 
I mean, yeah, like that was, like, I guess that we can't criticize him for that, like, because we were, it was a, it was a wild, it was a wild time. Anything, anything was possible. Anything went. <laughs> if it reminded you anything, like anything big and amphibia looking was considered a night. Yeah. And I guess, like, now that we have, like, our sort of renewed perspective, just keep it short, I guess what they're gone with, I feel like, you know, that's, like, the monster in the background sort of, like, you know, peering over the newts for just, you know, surrounding the gems. I feel like that's probably supposed to be the mother of all or something. Because, I mean, this is from the Tokyo's perspective. I'm guessing they wanted to portray the mother of all in a very, like, negative light. And since they consider the gems to be their birthright, anyone who sort of goes against that idea... <laughs> Is a fucking monster, though. and I guess that's what they're trying to do. The mother realm here, so it's just a, just to throw that out, it's just like <laughs> just, just for the lore of this episode. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like the mother of old, like yeah. Looking back, it, it, this might have been like whoever crafted this bucket was probably maybe thinking about the mother of Olms and like how the they disagreed. With the newts as to what to do with, with the gems, so yeah. Wait, yeah. but wouldn't that like how does that work? Because like no one knows about the alms though, right? Like no, no, at all in modern no, Nubia no histories. They they know about the alms, <laughs> but no one has seen them in like I think it was decades. Until, yeah, that's un- what Grimes un- says. Yeah, until yeah. until like Sprig and Polly like encountered. <laughs> yeah, but like. Like, I don't think... Does anyone know about Mother Om? Like, I don't think at all, like, right? I feel like if anyone knew, it would probably be the Leviathan bloodline. Yeah, I mean, they, they knew, for sure. It's like... Well, yeah, oh, yeah, like, Leaf, Leaf I'm, I'm like, didn't know I'm, about the Olms. Yeah, She Leaf didn't know did, about Mother Om, though. She, like, knew, she knew the Olms, though. Yeah, but, like, she... No, no, she knew, like... Well... Well, either way, like, anyone who lives in the modern era of, like, Amphibia now doesn't know about the Mother of Alms. So, like, it's kind of weird. Like, it makes me question, like, when was this made? Because, like, this bucket lives for, like, a thousand years? Like, that's that's crazy. (laughs) Like, (laughs) you know, like, I don't know. Looking at the condition, it's hard to tell, because this could either be completely new or just really kept in condition like antique but yeah, i mean no, I, I think but, sorry but i think a different perspective maybe that um you know in the mural uh, it's the three girls and the big toad monster is the corruption of amphibia that's the symbolism right i think uh on the bucket maybe it was the alms uh, not the alms but the the newts or the Leviathans spreading that idea that the corruption is the people who want the gems to, you know, use it for the right purpose and not take away the birthright. Maybe, yeah. Yeah, that like that checks out, I I think. Yeah. It's just I don't know, it's just like the time period of this bucket. It's like how does that work? Like, because, like, 
that's depicting like ancient utopian like ideals. It's like well, maybe that's some, like yeah. Maybe someone saw this somewhere yeah, I mean, else and just thought it was cool. Probably, yeah. Yeah, like, yeah, like what helps me. What helps it like sort of make sense to me is like I mean, Nitrov is already like a very old city, and like you can already see like a lot of like the ancient history crawling around. That, but with this like new, you know, generation of people living there, like a lot of like their their lives, their their sort of like their status quo is sort of like you know built over that. But you can still see it like you know peering through here and there, right? Like just how they designed the city, all the like statues and stuff. Like you can sort of see like yeah, this place has a lot of history, so. I, I guess that's how it made sense to me. I, I have no clue how gold... Like, that looks like solid gold. So I, I have, like, no clue how gold <laughs> maintain itself over a thousand years. But, I don't know. I, I guess that's sort of how I just thought. I think, you know, look at this bucket. This looks like something Valeriana would have in her collection. That's true, yeah. Yeah, I can see what you mean. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, yeah, Polly just bounces off with this to pursue more to to find more valuable stuff to haggle off. But yeah, Spriggan and yeah, they went over the challenge. They need to look for a cart and very vigorously inspects the shopping cart and gives it a C plus rating. <laughs> it's it's not it's not the, it's not the cart that yeah, makes the driver. Car. It's the driver that makes the cart. <laughs> well, no, I swear no. Did didn't she lick the cart? Yeah she did. Like, I swear she licked the cart. Ew and come on. She literally made her decision after she licked the cart. <laughs> so the taste yeah, of the cart matters, I guess. Yeah. The aroma. But uh Oh wait, I just said I just said something with smell for taste. Never mind. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> <laughs> I like how, you know, even though this derby cart is, like, very violent, I like how they all appreciate the fine arts. Since, like, technically, they all know what the prize is. But I guess maybe it's for the glory. But, you know, we saw that one pair, that, that one pair of uh challengers who were, like... <laughs> Super like hyped to get the teapot. <laughs> the the weird, grotesque, toad looking guy. Yeah, but I think I skipped ahead. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, there's like before the competition starts, like, and over here is Priscilla and Pearl like talking, and apparently Priscilla is like still like, healing from like a tail injury. And mm -hmm. Anne, you know, it's kind of scummy for Anne to, like... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, on the first... Like, when I thought this was the first one, yeah, this is... 
I don't know. I feel like it still does feel kind of surprising in a way. It's like, damn, man. Like, this is like one of her most mischievous scenes. <laughs> like, straight up, she's like, ooh. Ah, I like how she's like, I can use this. She was so proud to hear that information about her tail. Yeah. I can use ah. this. Literally what she says. I was just, wow. Like, is this, we, I don't know. Like, have we ever really got another moment from Anne like this? Because she just, like, they didn't. <laughs> it's amazing how this is like one of her, um, this episode is like one of her best moments and also like, um, you know, a scene where she's at like her lowest. Like, 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 I think she's like, could be reaching here, but she's probably caught up in the moment due to the fact that it, that whatever she's doing is uh um kind of reminds her of back home and at malls yeah. so maybe whatever you know the girls did at malls it had something to do with uh you know something competitive in nature yeah i mean i, I totally get that yeah because you yeah we have like the whole idea that and is pretty driven by the fact she wants to get her mom something here and yeah just her competitive spirit yeah i already brought it up before but yeah she she came into this one in the wind, and Priscilla, Priscilla and um, Pearl already talked trash before, so, like, yeah, like, he's, uh, and, yeah, and definitely has that in mind going on here. So, yeah. I also think it's, like, because she's, she's playing for her mother, you know what I mean? Like, this is, like, I think she's very much willing to be, like, nah, this is for my mom, I don't care, let's, let's get it, like, <laughs> you know, like, think, yeah. but I think, but she, I think, the thing is with this though is like even though this is very mischievous, and kind of immediately realizes like after like the whole ordeal, like eh, hold on, maybe that was kind of messed up. Let me just well, yeah. like yeah, like tries to give her the pot back. It like after like Priscilla like explains like why that's so important. You know what I mean? I think like yeah. it is a little messed up, but I think they I think they worked it out at the end. So yeah. Yeah, it, it's. I guess it's just it's just mind blowing, you know. What and like never don't like don't underestimate this girl. Like just don't underestimate. Like that's the lesson here. Just don't underestimate this girl because you don't know what she's what she's capable of. <laughs> yeah, and uh, we also get a uh, introduced to Microlandrel. Yeah, I was about to bring that episode. up. Yeah. Like really, like I, I, I honestly forgot that going into this. Like it's, it's crazy because you, he could have just easily been this one-off gag who never shows up again for the rest of his series. But no, like they, they, they actually brought him back, and they even got his own, you know, cute moment later down the season. So that was pretty awesome. And like, I guess my only question is, I don't, unless they're grown, did they, did they get bigger in the finale? It's like. Since Polly's like way bigger now, like she's not even like a little tadpole anymore. It's like you, know, you can't exactly drive her around. So it, it's like, what's my grand? Like, like, what is he there for now? Just hanging out with Bessie? Yeah. He's... Did we ever see Michelangelo in the finale? Yeah, he was with Frobo in the final in the final scene. Oh wait, like, really? He, oh. Yeah, he he was water he was watering the plants with Frobo. 
and the the snow oh, like, around them. Was he was he bigger though? Because like yeah, he looked a little bit. He's not bigger. Big. I don't know how he's gonna. Okay, let me check this. Okay. Oh yeah, if he's grown, then okay, then he yeah he, he can definitely like potentially drive around pawing if he Yeah, I was just I literally just thought like, oh god, no, he's still the same size. Oh. Oh, he's God. the same size as the snurd, the baby snurd. The snurd. Okay. Yeah, I don't know what he's going to be doing then because he can't exactly be, he can't exactly um be driving Polly around anymore, right? Like, right? Like, not yet. Give, yeah, give him I, some time. I think uh, because it was confirmed that it was about nine like, months. Nine months. Yeah, nine months. So maybe uh, I think snails just grow at different uh, paces than frogs. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, because Bessie's apparently like really old, and like that's how if that's how big she is, then it probably took her a while to get to that size. That's a fair point. Yeah, and uh... yeah, we had the the cart battle and. We we get the Smash Bros. reference. Yes, God, I love that. <laughs> I love it. it's it's so unexpected. Like yeah, just, um, yeah. Like, one of my favorite like, references in the whole show, right there. Yeah, it's like I don't know. I just never expect like like I expect sh- sh- like media to reference games here and there, but like. I don't know what it is. Like, Amphibia always does it so good. Like, the blue shell joke in the Bizarre Bizarre, like, that was <laughs> great. Like, the... I love this. Like, Sprig parries the attack and does a smash attack. Like, that was, like, perfectly in sync. Even had the Black Lightning. Like, <laughs> it was like... They knew their stuff. You mm-hmm. know these guys are nerds. Like, <laughs> they knew their stuff. It's great. I like it when... uh Same with, like, you know... Dana Terrace and Matt Brawley, like they're they really like to make those kind of references. Yeah. Also we uh we cut to a hot pop real quick before the battle even starts and he gives us a nice <laughs> oh, little iconic face. Yeah, iconic moment. Right? <laughs> yeah. God. A hot pop. Yeah, and I, I don't know what's going on in there. <laughs> yeah, they're He's having a good time. Yeah, yeah, they're having. I like how uh, Pen. Uh, I forgot her name. Per- sorry, Pearl is just as uh, violent as Priscilla. She has her own little mace. I I kind of wish Pearl and Polly met. They probably would have gotten along well. That's well, yeah, I want to say, yeah, yeah, Pearl, yeah, and Pearl, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure like, Pearl's a player. Oh, yeah, she she's got her own scar as well. <laughs> yeah, I forgot she has like a scar on her cheek. Mm-hmm. Yeah, then eventually it's like. You know, they take everyone, like, Anne and Sprig take people down, and both staff Sprig is underrated. Like, that's a pretty, it was a pretty good, like, 
I know the slingshot is Spring's like sig signature weapon, but you know the bow staff. He was pretty good with it. Wish we got more of like Sprig using different weapons like that. That would have been sick. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 it's crazy how he like how Sprig sort of mastered it on his birthday. I mean, okay, he did injury. I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm coming back to that fucking joke. I don't care. Like, it's <laughs> one of the best jokes in the show because he just throws it up. It lands on his head, like caving his head in. He just like, how bad is it? <laughs> 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 Like, <laughs> look at his eyes. Like, he's staring deep and spot. He's like, man, am I gonna make it? <laughs> he just, God. I think, like, <laughs> one thing I do want to mention is that it's weird because Spring doesn't really keep a lot of his, like, not even just, like, weapons, like, just fighting skills in general. Like, he, like, Rob's pupil, right? He learns to kind of fight kind of like a toad. He's using his momentum as a frog to do damage, right? We never see him do anything like that ever again. <laughs> or like, you have the bow staff. Like, he has it. Obviously, you know, it, it gets broken. So, but like, I don't know. It, it's interesting. It, Sprigs, like, kind of like fighting styles and stuff don't ever really stick, which is a shame because they're all really cool. But yeah. I mean, at least at Spider Spring, we got like the. We got to see Sprig show off his stuff, but yeah. Yeah, that was like him showing off like kind of his natural abilities, but they were kind of like. What's the word? They were kind of like. I guess amplified to feel more superpower y, if that makes sense. True, yeah. Oh, you know, that, that was so insane. Because, like, I feel like. I feel like his, I feel like Spriggs slowly had, like, his own, like, power fall with, like, <laughs> how strong his tongue got, because I swear, like, what he did was, yeah, what he did in spider Sprig, like, you couldn't see him do, like, you just couldn't, you totally couldn't even, like, imagine ever doing that in season one, but, like, yeah, I don't know, man, like, he just gets stronger, I swear, his tongue just gets stronger and stronger as it's been one on, to, like, to the point where he was, like, did he, I kind of, hey, I remember him doing something pretty crazy with his tongue, like in some of in the final. Like, didn't he? It didn't he like use it to fight against some robots in the final episode? Like, I, I can't remember. Actually, he did something with it. I know he I, was okay, swinging on a lot of light posts, like in the finale, but I don't remember him using his tongue specifically. I think he was using mostly his slingshot and boom shrooms. Take okay. people out. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then, uh... <laughs> oh, yeah, the iconic... Okay, like, you, you, you know that gag that was going... Like, like that runny gag? Is the, that really the, not the baby joke, like, yeah. Episode, like, yeah, not the baby, like... <laughs> yeah, I always love when that pops up. Running gag, and then they just break that after this episode. Like, we never heard it again, did we? Like... I mean, other from the other from the season three outro, I don't think so. Oh, oh my god! Oh, now, now I'm sad thinking about that outro. But um, <laughs> yeah, like it's yeah, I don't know. It, it's funny every time they do it. Like it, it's really fun. Now I can't even like even Penny, even Carl saying it right. Like yeah, they say it too. Yeah, even Carl saying it, like not the everyone, everyone just getting up and just got in on that. Like not the baby. Yeah. 
Yeah, and then, uh... Yeah, like, Anne and Sprig were able to, to avoid Polly, but then, like, Priscilla and Pearl, like, Priscilla has to use her tail and... to, like, kind of stop, to slow herself down, and they they avoid hitting Polly. And, you know, Anne, you know, was Anne played a little dirty with the... Uh, she like she she at least made sure they were okay before taking them out, but that was not an honorable move. But no, blindsided them. I, I, I just love how like Bali she just shuts her eyes and tries to back away as, far, as much as she could, and like when she makes it out, she's like, "I wasn't scared." Like, <laughs> I love that. Like, oh man. Like, yeah, this is what Anne did here. Like, it's, it's very interesting. <laughs> and it's like, damn. <laughs> if they were all right. And then, and then they immediately just took them out before they could even recover. Like, it's, damn. Like, this is just me, someone saying, like, I'm good. And someone actually is going like a fucking good ass Jesus. <laughs> Y'all are making me. <laughs> Yo, Nick, you're kind of un- you're kind of unclear at that last part, but. Oh, they cut it out. No, it's like yeah. it was kind of muffled. Oh yeah, sorry about that. Yeah, yeah, it, it's just I don't know. It's just I just find that so funny about this moment. Like, and she was even like she was. She wasn't even looking for like a physical confirmation. Like she just needed to hear the words "I'm good," so she couldn't feel any guilt. And like, I was like, I, I, I love that at the same time. Like, part of me is like, "Damn, and what the hell is wrong with you?" Then, then another part is just like, you know, I, I kind of admire that. Like, where she just sort of like, she's always like, she's always trying to be compassionate. She's always trying to like, you know, put herself in other people's, in other people's shoes and emphasize them. But like, nah, man, here, like, right? She's just here to take them out, and she'll like. Use any chance she gets to do that. She was such a savage <laughs> in this episode. Yeah. Y- y'all are making me think of Anne very differently. <laughs> like, <laughs> in this episode, like I never I, thought both? about her being like ruthless. I didn't. I don't know. Like it didn't pop into my head. It just felt it was, like she natural. Like I don't know. It was both segments as well. She's been like completely ruthless. You know, threatening kids' lives. You know, being a Karen, and now yeah, blindsiding, blindsiding, and just being so savage. Yeah, and then, uh, you know, of course, this is the moment where Sprigg's bow bow staff breaks, <laughs> and most savage part of the episode. Yeah, and then he and then he starts. Yeah, he starts like coping at the end, where it's like, oh, if it broke here, like it wouldn't be good enough for Ivy. <laughs> Uh, but he'll be fine. <laughs> but yeah, like Anne, Anne gets the the teapot. Love the sportsmanship from Priscilla. Yeah, she at least congratulates Anne, and then like Anne, you know, Anne understands like who made the pot, and like she, she, I like how. Uh, 
Sorry, I, I like how Anne like shakes Priscilla's arm, sorry, hand, and like the wrong arm. <laughs> she uses she uses her uh, her left arm. Priscilla is oh, giving yeah, out her uh, yeah yeah. But yeah. Did we talk about like Anne has like <laughs> her like nickname this episode like Mop Top like oh Mop Top like, yeah, yeah, yeah yeah it's referenced throughout like the I think Priscilla calls her that when she first meets her and then like the announcer keeps calling her that and then finally like Anne like kind of says like correct like, her my name is Anne yeah correct her there we go yeah yeah. Yeah, she was like, can we not make that a thing? Like, after she won, they, they, they said, Mop Top wins! Like, like, yeah, she, she just hated that name completely. Yeah, I don't think it comes back either. I know, like, I know, like, in the Bizarre Bizarre, some, like, really skinny frog cars, like, calls in, like, String Bean or something, like, or something along those lines. No, she, she, like, calls, I think she, Miss- she calls her Sprig's boyfriend. <laughs> No, 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 it's it's not that. It's it's like I forget it was like a it wasn't the tiny frog that steals their stuff. It's like it's like Anne bumps into one of the frogs that's like super skinny. I forget ex- they call her something. But like Oh, it might have been string bean then. Yeah, because like they call her string bean and then Mr. X then uses that name for her too. So like I don't know, it's just like yeah, never comes back like for a nickname for Anne, so I don't know. This is something I wanted to point out. Yeah, and yeah, like Anne and once Anne realizes that the teapot like Priscilla's mother made the teapot, like Anne gives the pot to her teapot to her. You know, they and then like Pearl decides to help Anne out and gives Anne, like, the butterfly thing she had on her that she was wearing. That she made herself, so it's like a one-of-a-kind thing. One-of-a-kind gift that she can give to her mom. And, you know, it's 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 a nice moment where Anne kind of connects with these with these, te- with these Utopia characters. I think, that, like, that's probably why it's <coughs> Like it's so it's so wholesome, and that's probably why it's like easily like my favorite. Like Priscilla and Pearl were my favorite Newtopia yeah. characters. Plus, I just love like moments like these, just emphasizing Anne's strengths. Like the fact that like like she just met these people today, but they but she really made like a deep, genuine connection with them over like you know motherhood and stuff, and that yeah, that, that's just like you know. That's just that's just really sweet stuff, man, and and it's like a nice and God, I, I just love how they they go into that after an episode like Scavenger Hunt, where like where it just clearly tells you, you know, like what is Anne best at, you know, what what, what you know what what can Anne really do for people, and yeah, nah, I, I love the fact we got an episode like this. Yeah, I, I was about to, I was about to actually make that connection, you know, seeing her uh, her social strengths coming off an episode exactly like scavenger hunt when marcy points that kind of thing out and like you know you take notice of it that it really is one of her strengths like 
and you kind of notice it before you know Marcy even points it out. Uh, she was able to you know connect with all the people in Wartwood and befriend yeah. them, and so yeah, definitely a definitely a highlight, big highlight of Van's character. Yeah, and uh, you know they they leave on good terms, and you know we we get that funny joke where like Hop Hop is has the massage chair like ready to sh- be shipped to Warwood and you know he used the credit card and that's fun and uh let me start making yeah he, he gets a little too little benefits too, yeah a little too descriptive with the uh <laughs> the feeling but uh and that's pretty much we 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 do we do we mention um what Pearl gave Anne like you know like yeah did we mention that yeah we mentioned the oh we I just mentioned it was like the the butterfly that Pearl was wearing okay yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean I, I I guess I I just want to say like I'm just so happy it actually made its way back to um in the back to Mrs. Boonshaw like because yeah. I know like we were all yeah we were like it was like every episode we were like. Bro, bro, bro. During three, we're like, when is it going to get back? When is it going to get there? When is it going to get there? And then it finally did. And God, that was just so sweet. Yeah, the Christmas, the froggy little Christmas credits. Like, like you yeah. know, right at the, like, the fight. It's like, we, yeah. We were so like, worried that would never come back again. But, like, just seeing yeah. that in the credits, like, yeah. relief. Yeah. Instant relief. Yeah. <laughs> so. We're going to talk about the, the hopping mall stuff. Um, I'll let each of you guys, like, I, I know everyone wants, like, a, a piece of this, but, uh, uh pain. <laughs> I guess. Oh, are we at the, uh, yeah, the scene? Yeah, we're at the scene. So I guess each of you, like, can get, can get a little time to talk about it. Um. I guess starting with, you know, this is the scene where Anne talks about missing her, missing her mom, and then Sprig bringing up his mom, and you know we get that moment. I, uh, I guess it's just like from the start of the scene, you could tell. It was different. Something was going to happen, right? And I guess yeah. Just... While, while you're like, I, I guess give your give your thoughts on give your thoughts oh, on man. the scene, uh, and then like we'll, we'll go through each each of you guys. This scene was in this episode as a whole was like this scene was the nail in the coffin, and this was part of the this was the moment. Where I realized that Amphibia is like so much more than what it already was. You know, to make these, uh, to like, like this is a Disney show we're talking about, to, you know, bring up the topic about like these deep, like emotional topics about, you know, missing someone you've never met, you know, parental death. Like that's 
that's kind of that's really deep uh, to introduce and i mean brenda song and sprig uh just sorry, not Brenda, Justin Felbinger and Brenda Song. Just, uh, man, they they really knocked it out of the park in this scene, especially. They always do a great job, but this scene was it's so special. Um, and you know, the music that accompanies it, and there's just the, the beautiful backgrounds that they had, it just such wallpaper worthy things this is actually one of my this is my opening this is my wallpaper that i see um when i open my computer yep that one oh lock uh, screen okay yeah, yeah. Your lock um yeah it's just when i saw the scene for the first time it is um it was definitely I definitely i definitely pulled some heartstrings cuz I can't, I can actually, I did relate to it a lot, but it, uh, it definitely struck something in me. And then that part where Sprig is kind of brushing the whole situation off, like, can you miss someone you've never met? Nah. And, and understands that as soon as Sprig brought up the fact that, um, she never, her mom, her parents died. And, and just has this complete shift in emotion. Like she, she's just like, what? Like, how could someone live without their mother? And she, the moment where she comforts Sprig, um, and Sprig just breaks down, really uh, puts a puts a big nail in the coffin on just how special Sprig and Anne's relationship is. Because Anne was able to pick up the social cue that Sprig, despite, you know, being all happy on the outside and brushing the whole thing off, it's just a matter of coping. That's literally all it is. It's just the coping mechanism to not really think about, you know, what kind of pain that is. So Anne comforting Sprig and the music, you know, settles really in and then the end credits it's just one of one of the best scenes in the entire show and it really really is special and i just have to capitalize the end credit scenes the end credit song was just it was so 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 good but yeah this scene is just it's it really is out of this world and it is special really special for some a cartoon show to to really you know to have and they say cartoons are for kids show them this scene but yeah that's uh that's my thoughts to pretty long tangent but that is my thoughts all right thank you boss uh impact what are you, what are, you, what are your thoughts on this last scene ooh so <laughs> for me like i think like you know, this is one of Amphibia's kind of biggest emotional, like, gut punches, right? And it kind of comes out of nowhere. You're like, you're like, man, that episode was pretty cool. Uh, you know, like, okay, so it ended with Hop Pop. I was about to, like, get off the couch and go get something to eat. And then it kept playing. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> 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 and then, like, <laughs> and 
And I'm like, whoa, whoa, that got like it. This, how do you even describe it? Like, I think it like it's the first time, I think, where you kind of realize what being in Phibia kind of means for Anne. In like, because remember, like Marcy kind of. Anne didn't know she was even going to Amphibia, didn't want to in the first place. And it's the first time you kind of think about, like, oh, yeah, she's been stuck in this place without her parents for months. I feel like that's something that isn't really talked about in, like, a lot of other shows like this. And it's, like, you really can tell, like, like, she's talking about her mom. You know, they had their problems and, like, their issues with each other. But, you know, she still loved her. And, like, she really misses her family. And it's, yeah, you, it really hits, like, hard here, especially. And I think, like, yeah, I think Gloss pretty much said what a lot of what I wanted to say. But it's, it's such an emotional, like, gut puncher of a scene. And how well they can kind of make Sprigg's problem of not knowing his parents relate so well to like Anne's issue of not knowing them in general is just it's just beautiful man I, I love this scene so much and when I would first watch it it felt like I got like punched in the face emotionally I was like what the hell <laughs> this came out of nowhere <laughs> like but it, it works though like it doesn't feel like it's like it doesn't actually come out of nowhere but it feels that way and like I I love this stuff and it's it's stuff like the show continues to do moments like this too maybe not at the same level but like it's it's great i love this scene so much and that's it thank you impact uh nick what do you what are your thoughts on this scene yeah first like first i mean i just have to mention you know what it does for Anne and spiritual relationship because it yeah it's 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 one of the moments of like you know really deep vulnerability right it's sort of like you know reveal like what's hitting their heart what's like you know just making them feel miserable in the moment like it's the fact that they're that they're able to sort of can like these two they, they have experienced very different lives they come from like two very different worlds but just the fact that they're able to sort of like connect with each other over this you know one thing they go that, that's really sweet like and like you know and they're, they're they're both missing their moms. Like they, they still have like you know two different experiences when it comes to that. Right? Like I mean, one of them's like you know one one of them, <laughs> like their mom is dead. Like and like yeah, she's just separated from their mom and like they're in a different world. But like it, it's just the fact that they can hear each other out and come to understand. You know how they're both feeling in the moment that I feel really strengthens like their relationship. Right, and like that's that's why I feel like. That's like when, when we get that scene in True Colors where Anne says like Sprig is her best friend on this world or any other like right like I feel like this is what pushed that friendship to that point like the fact that they are able to confide confide in each other in a way that they're not able to with anyone else because we've never really seen Anne or Sprig get a moment like this with any other character on that level so like there's that like I love what it does for the friendship but. I figure I also just have to mention, like, the timing for this episode, too, right? Like, we were, like, back when this episode first aired, like, you know, we were, like, sort of knee-deep in the pandemic, and then we got an episode about, 
people missing their family members, like, you know, wishing they were here, wishing they could be with them. And like, God, like, just, like, just getting something. Like, like I, I know, yeah, it wasn't, the timing wasn't intentional, but just, I can't even imagine just how many people it connected with on that level, too, because it's, yeah, it was, it, like that's yeah this episode like i feel like that's part of what makes this moment so iconic like it just happened to come out at the perfect time when people really needed something like this to tell them that you know that they're that they're not alone and how they feel about about stuff like that so yeah like i gotta give it like major props to that all right thank you nick and yeah like looking back at this scene like you guys pretty much covered everything pretty nicely um i think yeah when i first saw the scene it was pretty devastating and it's it still it still is uh no, knowing what we know now with what happens in season three it uh Knowing, knowing that we got what we got in season three with the return to Earth, Sprig and Polly being able to have find miss, missing pieces through Mr. and Mrs. Boonchoy, and knowing what happened to them later on after the rain, how it's resolved and all in, it it does. Like those are like we get we get our moments of, of victory later on in the series, and th th that kind of makes that kind of like it, it's comfort it's comforting knowing knowing that now. But yeah, like I don't know. It it, it makes everything feel so much more. It's nice seeing, like, I think, Nick, you mentioned this for Little Frog Town, how, like, this is a pre-planned story, and it's, like, seeing Anne talk about missing home, and I think the only time, I think, where she, not only time, but the only time where Anne kind of stopped and reflected about, like, being trapped in Fibula was, I think, Stakeout, when she's with Hop-Hop, and she's, like, just staring at, like, the night sky and, like, and starts talking to him about it. Uh, yeah, it just makes the story so much more like satisfying. Like I'm in this moment of like letting hopping ball like punch me in the face, and then it's like when I recover, it's like I'm recovering by thinking about like what we get in the in, in season three. Basically, it just makes it just makes the story feel so much more complete. And very like full circle. Like th that's why like I love Amphibia so much in that regard. Yeah, like the the like it, it the show is just if despite being in a whole other world, it feels so real and 
ironically down to earth. Like the emotions just feel they feel authentic. The topics are realistic and it just it it drives home not only the relatability but the the greatness uh, of this show in my opinion yeah and uh yeah i think that's all i have to say on the on the subject i think You know, on a more uplifting note, like, this episode saved Thai Feud for me. <laughs> like, Wait, really? Damn. <laughs> because, Damn. Like, because knowing... Okay, because remember how it's like... Nick, I think you brought this up. It's like... Mrs. Bo- Mr. and Mrs. Boonchoy thought Anne was like... For five months, Anne was gone. And... I think Mrs. Boonchoy, like, in her workout room, her panic room, she gave up hope, like, after, like, 86, 87 days. And Ned was still, like, bugging her about, like, oh, about yeah, recipes man. after, like, her daughter was, like, after she assumed her daughter was dead. Like, of course, like, Sprig was a little shit in that episode, but... He was. I, I had no sympathy for Ned, and like had no problem with Sprig like taking this guy out. <laughs> but uh, even that, with like Sprig being a little like Sprig like fighting to earn like Mrs. Boonchoy's like love, <laughs> and uh, like at least at least Sprig fucks off after like. Like, no, he's Spring's 11. He has that excuse, right? He has, he has that. Ned's like a full-grown adult. And he's going to these grieving parents who are suffering because their daughter is missing. And he's trying to, like, not... He's not just trying to, like, milk some money out of them, potential money. But he's also just exploiting their culture. And it's like, hey, this motherfucker. <laughs> and he was doing it yeah. while she was missing. While she was missing the whole time. Oh. And he didn't give a shit. And then when Anne comes back, he's just all like, "Oh, Anna, I thought you were dead." Well, anyway, Mrs. Boonchoy, um, what the business is like, like, no! <laughs> oh. Yeah, and so, I never really so, thought of so that. Actually, that... <laughs> y'all making taglines in that whole episode. So <laughs> yeah. So basically, Spring is justified. But if you really want to say he was out of line, keep in mind that, like. <laughs> He considers and fa- he considered and family, and then finally found like finally found Mrs. Boonchoy. Like, of, of course he's gonna like. Hey. He he has that fierce loyalty to family already through Hop Pop, and we saw what happened with Sylvia when Sylvia kind of challenged that. So, yeah, seeing his pain in the Hopping Mall, like it was hard for me to like. I couldn't get mad at him for like going after Ned. Okay, I I'm surprised that. Huh. Okay, yeah, just, just not just yeah, not 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 to, just not to change like the focus of the pocket. So like, okay, I, I'm honest. I'll always be surprised that that was like a problem with you because it's like, you know, we had a hopping mall, and that's like a piece of crap. So it's like, 
I don't really care. Like, I really mind. Like, Ben had it coming to him. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's all I'm saying. And, like, Sprig, he's 100% justified. I, I, well, okay, okay. Well, what he was doing wasn't good, but still, it's it's understandable completely to me that he would go this. Because we already know that family means the world to him. Like, there's no one in the planet of family that cares more about family than him, right? And he, he'll do anything to He'll do anything for it, right? Like, that's already been established in, like, since stakeout pretty much. And, yeah, and him, like, just not only wanting to protect his family, but also just, you know, become, like, an important part in Mrs. Moonchoy's family, knowing his backstory. Like, to me, that is 100%, like, understandable. I can't say justified because it's, like, obviously, like, you know, like, I can't say that, but, like, 100% understandable. And I think, like, his character, his characterization episode completely works. Well, okay, maybe he could have been, like, less of a little shit, but still not. It was funny. I guess that's why I forget. It was funny. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully, I'm not focusing too much on Thai feud, but like at least if Ned was more like malicious. Wait, am I even saying that word right? Like, if Ned was more antagonist antagonistic towards the Boon Choice, then yeah, like send the boy after him. But <laughs> he was just kind. Of, he was just kind of like an idiot who was like. Appropriating their culture. <laughs> I think, I think Ned is sort of like um, Marcy, but like not not in the way you think. But they're both amoral. Like they'll what they do, they're unaware of what other people feel, so they're amoral as a person. I guess rather than someone like Sasha who's immoral and doesn't care for other feelings and they know what they do will possibly hurt them. Yeah, but I guess Hopping Mall definitely when when people think about like the planners like the story arcs they go through like you'd be surprised when you, like it, when, the more you think about it, how much like everything lines up with one another from like everything going on with Leaf, everything going on with that book that Hop Hop finds and his fears of what happened with the parents, which were caused by the herons, and how that's affected Sprig, and how that informs Ty, like how that how he approaches relationships with parental figures. Like it's all, it's not like a plot. Yeah. It's not like a plot going from like A to B. It's a bunch of webs connecting to one another. Yeah, and like, no, like that's so true. Because I'm telling you, like Leaf's love, like the lesson she was trying to give the Andrews that she couldn't, you know, just the idea of like always having your heart open to people, you know, learning to love again, learning like to keep going in life, just to move forward, like. Did I mean that's like that that these that is what we have with the planters right now. Like that is the current generation. Like they are living with that message. Like they've all gone through their own struggles, but like they were able to all come together and form like this stronger like just strong family, right? Like I mean and I like, like Yeah, while she like, you know, while her friendship was like, you know, Sasa Marshy is like one where they all love each other, like it's still like one where she was basically like the underdog, like the one put down, the one always kicked around by them. And 
Then we have the Planters who, God, like, yeah, they, they went through hell after that heron attack, but they were able to come together, right, and just open their hearts to one another, you know? Not, like, they weren't afraid to be vulnerable just to talk to each other and, you know, love each other. So, yeah, like, it, it really does feel like it came full circle. And I 100% believe that they, they planned it like that because, yeah, this is a pre-planned story. Like, Amphibia, like, it just feels like such a well-made story and how everything just connects to one another. And I think, like, yeah, that, that's, yeah, that truly is something I wish this show got complimented for. Like, more than just, like, the callbacks it does, but just how everything feels like it's all just together to make one grand point about life, which is like, yeah, which is just to show off like the, like the grittier parts of change. Right. Because like, because if we're being honest, Amphibia is like not the first story in like the last, because yeah, the last 10 years we've gotten like lots of shows that, that do focus on like that. Basically just like, yeah, you summarize it. It's like, yeah, I'm talking about change and I'm saying it's good. But like here Amphibia is, it's like, the harsher parts of it, like like the grittier parts of it, and sort of like what you like, it'll show that to you, but also it'll also show like you know what you need to brace for that too, and like that's what I really appreciate about appreciate about the show because like yeah, like you like yeah, it, it tells the characters to keep moving forward even after like losing that really loving status quo they had of each other, right? But it still tells you to keep moving forward no matter what, and I, I just yeah, like that's. The last stuff I really love about Amphibia. Yeah, thanks, Nick. And uh, I, I guess this is a good time to go into like final thoughts. Um, I think Nick already pretty much gave his... <laughs> that was a good way to close off the night. Uh, but, but I guess, <laughs> but I guess uh, Bloss, any, any final thoughts on Hopping Mall? Um, yeah, I mean, this is nothing really much else to say other than the fact that, you know, this is one of definitely a top five in the whole show, if I'm being honest for me. Really, really good episode. Had all the elements of a uh, pretty much a perfect amphibia episode, if I'm being honest. You had, you know. The funny frog show stuff, and you had the the sad frog show stuff to make it simple, and that's that's the recipe for a really good episode. So, loved it, and yeah. All right, thank you, boss. Uh, Impact. Any final thoughts on Hopping Mall? Um, I've pretty much said really what I wanted to say. Hopping Mall is one of my favorite episodes in the show. Um, its final scene is something that kind of just comes at you like very suddenly in a good way. You know what I mean? It connects so well with the rest of the episode. It's just Amphibia has rarely ever gotten to that big emotional like, oh, goddamn, like moment. So like and season two will continue to do that with a lot of its characters. You know what I mean? And it's like, well, it's had emotional moments more so like very like heartfelt conversations between the characters. And I think like, yeah, I just, I just, I love hopping mall. This episode's a banger. That's it. All right. Thank you. Impact. And yeah, I, I really enjoyed hopping mall. Uh, and ending was, 
phenomenal, but you know the re the rest of the episode was still like solid and great and focused a little bit on it was an Anne Sprig adventure with Anne thinking about her her mom, which is great. Uh, yeah, that's all I have to say, and that pretty much concludes this week's recording. And next week we'll be covering. <laughs> The sleepover to end all sleepovers and a day at the aquarium, which yes, yes, I'm gonna banger like, episode. Yeah, oh, sleepover and sleepovers. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> okay, I feel like I need to. We we might need to start earlier for that one because like, <laughs> yeah, that'll be a long one. That'll be a long one. Yeah, yeah. like uh, we'll we'll figure it out then. But for now. Thanks for listening. See you guys next time. Say goodbye, everyone. Peace, everybody. Uh, see, ya. see ya. See ya.